Hello and welcome to episode 151 of the Live Down. Whoa. A Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies for the casual spike. Live from Las Vegas, even though I'm currently in Chicago. Yeah, this is that that's a that that is that's a that's a fib, Stanislav. They call that a fib in the industry. Well, if you stick around in this episode, you'll know why I am lying, because it's it's a half truth. Yeah. About three quarters truth. Three quarters truth. I'm Stanislav here in Chicago and with me on the line from Denver, Colorado, the one and only Shane Beeps. Yes. In Denver now, less than 24 hours ago, I was I was in Las Vegas with you, my buddy. That's right. We did have someone holding down the fort in Chicago. The Godfather, Dave Harberger, made sure no one broke in and stole our cards. You guys were in Las Vegas too? <laughs> Wait, that was you? <laughs> Wait. I, oh, man. I didn't. I didn't see you guys. What were you there for? The World Series of Poker? I went to I went to a magic tournament. Oh, that's weird. At the Las Vegas Convention Center? We could have hooked up. We could have hooked up, my friend. Were you guys there? Did I what? Wait. No, I'm just being jealous. I wasn't there. These guys were there. Well, we we missed you, buddy. It was it was a it was a good time, uh, but it would have been a lot better with my old buddy Dave Harbarger, aka the Godfather. This week's show is a very fun one because Shane and I we made it to Vegas for the Channel Fireball, Magic the Gathering, Las Vegas, Modern Tournament of Champion event. It is not a Grand Prix. Not but, a Grand Prix. But it was structured just like a GP. It's a Grand Prix with worse prizing. So for this episode, we did try something very new, very different. Not only are we going to break down the event in Vegas as we typically do, but we also did a bunch of interviews on the ground with some of the f- players and friends of the dive down and magic personalities right there on the floor of the event with side event announcements blaring over us. Yes. You will practically be there with us. Yeah, you'll hear some crowd noise. Yeah, it's, it's it's perfect. It's like you're there. I mean, it's it's amazing really. The lineup of people that these these two spoke to is incredible. So incredible. It's like the night sky is dark because all the stars or on the dive down this week. Yeah, I don't want to spoil the surprise just yet, but I will say we got a dive down first. Our first Hall of Fame player will appear on this episode. Wow. Did they sign a release for that, or are we going to be in trouble? I think this is a ask for forgiveness later situation. Yeah, I forgot to bring my release forms, but... You didn't have... They didn't see the microphones? <laughs> They're very secret. Yeah, we, had, we, we got our new audio kit with us. It was dope. Um, yeah, some are some magic names you might know. Some are some players that did really well. I will say we talked to three out of the top eight finishers about their tournament and the decks that they ran. Uh, so we have a really fun and interesting lineup. Uh, some old friends, the unofficial fourth co-host, you know, it's going to be a good time. That's right. Before all those good times though, we do need to housekeep because we got some new patrons this week. Oh man, we got a good one this week. Shout out to the newest patrons to join the Dive Down Nation. We got Enga R, Michael B, George B, Professor M, PJR, and Howler. Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of people. Also, big thanks to Eric E for going up a tier in their support. Thank you, everyone. If you, the listener, would like to support our show, you can find us over at patreon.com slash the dive down, all one word. Get in at any tier. Even a dollar an episode gets you into our definitely discreet Discord server. Stanislav, 
It's it's funny. Every you, every time is definitely. It's not definitely. Yeah, it's definitively. It's like definite. It's like a it's like a weird adjunct of definitely. I thought you used to be a journalist. You used the word definitively before. The, they're synonyms. They they mean the same thing. Definitely. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna utilize this instead of use it. It's definitively, maybe is my favorite Oasis album. <laughs> And if you'd like to, su- to support the Dive Down while playing not Paper Magic, also known as Digital Magic, also known as Magic Online, check out manatraders.com and use code THEDIVEDOWN2021 to be able to get 15% off two months of your first two months of Magic. Two out of your first two months <laughs> 100% of, of your Magic months. rental cards. Yeah, it's 15% off 100% of your first two months of rentals. That's perfect. Good math. Terms, may, terms and conditions may apply. Uh, I mean, going back to the to the Patreon, I do want to talk about how awesome it was to meet up with so many citizens of the Dive Down Nation this weekend. Uh, it really cemented in my mind how awesome our community is, uh, how much fun and how easy it was to hang out with everybody. Everyone's so chill and so uh, you know fun and interesting and and willing to to have a great time. And we want more people in the dive down nation we want you in it so head on over to patreon sign up and we'd love to uh, have you become a new citizen so that we can see you at the next event yeah and you know we've talked a lot recently about things like the deck boxes deck boxes are submitted for artwork we'll update with any manufacturing updates we have from there Uh, we also recently did a a little designy refresh of our show notes which is a three dollar tier perk so they have a nice template. We did some little typesetting. They got logos. Commemorative NFT show notes. Not really <laughs> NFT'd, but they look like they could be. And, you know, we have some other surprises up our sleeves soon. Maybe some apparel. Mm. If you have any catchphrases from the dive down that you'd maybe want to see, be able to purchase of some kind, let us know. Tweet at us. We're, uh, we're thinking about it. All right. So we have no actual breakdown this week because it's sort of just one giant breakdown about the the weekend at Magic Event Las Vegas. What's the official name? Magic the Gathering Las Vegas is what it's really called. So the event, the tournament that happened this past weekend, Friday was day one of the monitor event that went into day two on Saturday. Saturday and Sunday, there was a sealed event that also took place, sealed, and then uh, day two was draft as those sealed quote-unquote GPs usually are. So what we did is, you know, we were trying to pay attention to the top tables, what players and decks were doing well. Stan was in the event while I was doing sort of my own little guerrilla coverage. Uh, not as good, I will say, as, what is it, Eyelash TV? Mm-hmm. And so there was a lady on the floor with a camera on a selfie stick with like a magnifying zoom lens on her camera and just doing full-time Twitch streaming from the floor of the games that she was playing, of interviews with people. She was sort of uh, doing coverage, I think, of some of the the top eight for sure, and maybe some of the... Featured matches. Featured matches, yes. So she was on a lot. Uh, if you were paying attention to Twitch, you probably saw her streaming the event. So shout-outs to uh, Eyelash TV. Also, I definitely want to thank Corbin Hostler. He is a longtime Magic content creator, 
and was sponsored by the MM cast this past weekend to do some coverage from the floor. And we were definitely paying attention to his coverage as well, uh, because he was sort of saying, you know, what are the undefeated decks? What are the top eight lists that uh, CFB was posting on the floor? What's happening? So really want to give a shout out to Corbin as well for helping us sort of know what was going on. And, you know, the event began on Friday. And before anything got going, Stan and I sat down to talk about what it felt like once again to be at a big Magic event. Hello and welcome to Dive Down Live, coming at you from Las Vegas, Nevada, home of gambling, (laughs) indoor smoking... Oh, man. That hot desert sun. You know, what, you know what I don't think I needed in my life, Stanislav, was more indoor smoking. Yeah. You know, I, I would always, I was formerly, I was always like that guy who was like, you know, you could, you could smoke indoors, but the ventilation is so good. And then, like, I get here, it's like, it's, it's no, you, you can smell it. No amount of ventilation makes up for indoor smoking. No. But my friend. Shane, we're it's in, so good to see you. We're in Las Vegas. <laughs> we're looking at each other eye to eye with no computer screen between uh, us. Like, we are, we're like. 24 inches apart that's right we could i touching you yeah i can touch your cheek (laughs) the listeners can't hear us touch but believe it there's there's some touching noise anyway um it's friday morning friday morning we have made it to the convention center we are ready to play some modern main event no there's 1400 people registered for the modern main event today yeah and this place is huge and it's packed like huge yeah. impact. So I mean, people have probably at this. Well, by the time yeah we release this episode, you've probably seen some tweets, some images, and they rented out many corners of this hall to keep us nice and spread out. There's tons of tables for main event, side event, second main event on Saturday. I think there's a sealed event that's taking place. Yes, and um, of course, countless you know command zone tables, yes. like a giant command zone section, vendors, a lot of vendors, artists. It's it, it's we're at a GP again. Like yeah, GPs are yeah. back. This maybe. is this is this is a GP in quotes. Yes, and what I like about it is one, I like to seeing all these people here to do one thing, and it's tap paper cards. It is an absolute who's who of Magic players today. We've got the casual spikes. We got Hall of Famers. We got Dana Fisher, which I think is somewhere between those two. <laughs> up and realms. coming, up and coming future spike. What I like again is just being able to be like, there's just a bunch of people playing Paper Magic, and the death of Paper Magic, the the death knell, the the to- the, the bell that tolls uh, on the internet. When you're here, you you do not feel that. You know what I mean? Like, this feels like a very alive game with a lot of invested players, especially because most of them are here to play modern. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we love modern and we focus on it the most. And uh, it's always in a spot where it's, you know, it's tempting to say that, oh, it's it's not healthy. It's predatory pricing or the pricing is an issue. And but there's so many people here that are here to play the game. Yeah. And I'll tell you. From my perspective, trying to get ready for the modern main, I don't necessarily feel like there's a deck to beat. I feel like maybe there's a handful of cards that, as a modern player in the format right now, that you need to be aware of. Yeah. Be it Luris, be it Omnath, Teferi. Yeah. Those are all cards I like. And maybe like Solitude and Fury. You know, a handful of cards that are very powerful and people might not love playing against them, but it's not like we have a specific boogeyman deck and strategy that yeah, that's, you're either pl- playing to spike this event or trying to skew your entire sideboard to beat. So that's a pretty exciting you know, 
environment to be preparing for. And I think it's going to contribute to a really positive main event for anyone who's here either to play to win or play to have fun. That's a really good point because like we have had formats in the past, you know, we've gone to GPs knowing what the best deck is and having to have some kind of strategy to beat it. And I don't think anyone's coming to this hall with an agreed upon best deck. Yeah. There's probably a handful of decks that people have sideboard plans for. But I think you're right, where it's like this is gonna be a for this is gonna be a, a day in a tournament where I think we're gonna see a lot of things at the top tables. We're gonna see a lot of different strategies succeeding. We're gonna see a lot of different decks on day two. And I think that people are gonna feel good about it. I think one of the positives of there being fourteen hundred people registered for this tournament as well is that on the one hand it's gonna be very hard to day two because competition is incredibly stiff. But also, considering how diverse the format and metagame is right now, anyone can probably day two if they run really hot and yeah. play tight and get a little lucky as well. Yeah, for sure. So like, I'm like really maybe, excited like to see what that, what that... Yeah, definitely me. I mean, I, I promised my three-month-old I was going to make it to the top eight, right? Coming home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why has my dad abandoned me? Well, he didn't make top eight. Yeah, In so I, I, I'm excited to find out what the results look like. I believe Masters of Modern partnered with Corbin Hostler yes. to help provide some text coverage. Yes. There's no actual recordings in place. No. There is a featured match area, though. Yes, which is funny. Curious to see how that works out. <laughs> um, well, Stan, well, let's just talk about what you're on. What are you playing? Let's talk about us for a second. Great idea. My favorite topic. So I decided to pivot to Teamer Rhinos. Of course, you decided to pivot. I decided to pivot. I'm not also. I'm also not surprised by the Teamer Rhinos thing. What it's is a good it, deck. What is it about Rhinos that's uh, that's calling to you? It was a very specific thing that happened where I was previously locked into Merktide, and then in my last week or so of testing, my performance online just really started to plummet as I was facing more and more mid-rangey Luris decks. And you felt like you had problems with those. A big problem. And whether it was Grixis, Red Black, or Jund, I just didn't think that I had a lot of game main or side to outplay them. Uh, I would have to be really, really lucky. And then I noticed just on Discord and on Twitter a bit of an uptick in Rhino's trophies. Yeah. Small sample size, but you know maybe I had some confirmation bias to tell me that this is another deck to look out for. And it was on my short list as I was thinking about what to play for the tournament. So I fired up a couple leagues with Rhinos, and I had some back-to-back 4-1s. Yeah, that feels uh, good, right? And, and even in those 4-1s, I was just bulldozing these Luris decks 2-0 a lot. Okay. Um, I think I sent you some match results where I was like, I had four matches where I went 2-0, and then I lost one to Titan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One to bad top decks, which I, I played it beautifully. It was just bad top decks. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Always. So I Tell me your bad beat stories, please. Nah, maybe we'll save it for a bonus. But what I decided, though, is having a good proactive plan against Lura strategies in particular is probably an all right place to be going into today's tournament. Yeah. As opposed to Merktide, where, and this might be my own uh, relative inexperience with the deck, I don't know if I had the strongest grasp on who I'm here to beat. Yeah. You know what I'm talking sure. about? Like, sure. What are the what are the best matches for Merktide? Tron. It's you know I feel like it's it's like slower decks where counter spells are really strong. Okay. And that was just a little too vague for me, so I figured if nothing else, Teamer Footfalls. It has a very proactive strategy. I'll just win some games for free because of the yeah. combo, 
And it has interaction. You know, it has really force and negation, fury, like options for elementals. Yeah, and I got to say, one card that I'm really hype on right now, other than Blood Moon, is Endurance. Yeah. Every time I bring an Endurance against a matchup, it just feels like the strongest card in the matchup. And yeah, it's really good. And I'm never disappointed to draw multiple. Yeah. Um, and I feel like Endurance is kind of like this one card trump to oh. Dragon Race Channeler, Tarmogoyf. Yeah. If I get paired against Mill, that's going to be pretty fun. Yeah, you never know. You never know. You got to so, have a plan against Mill, Shane. <laughs> you do. I say that a lot. I mean, I'm not playing the main event. I'm planning on talking to folks who are playing. I'm sure that, well, I'm sure that we'll be able to find some people that whose names you know and maybe names you don't. And hopefully, uh, as the day goes on, talk to people who are performing well. And then into tomorrow, my plan is to try to get people who are who made day two, who are succeeding, maybe late in the day, talk to people who are you know top 32, things like that. I'd love just to get uh, an, an idea of why people feel like they're succeeding and what decks are doing well and and uh, be able to crib off of what uh, Corbin Hostler is doing uh, with the MM cast and keep updated on how the tournament's going. Because I think we'll have a nice breakdown about the event uh, as we go on and it's going to be a good weekend. You know what my goal for Dive Down coverage this weekend is? What's that? I would love if we could try to score our first interview with a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I mean, we deserve it, Stan. I think we've earned it. We're good enough. I think if nothing players. else, we know how to ask questions, <laughs> nod and smile. That's all you got to do. So, Stan, since we're, since we're talking about a modern tournament, what are you expecting to do well this weekend? Like, what do you, well, one, what do you think people brought? Yeah, so I think the decks that we'll probably see make it to day two is. Um, some variety of Omnath piles. And there's a ton of different Omnath decks right now. Yeah. There's the Elementals deck. There's just the Money Pile. You know, Omnath is finding a way in these 80-card Yorian lists. So I think four-color Omnath Haymaker decks with Solitudes. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that creature-based interaction is probably going to be pretty strong. Yeah, I think people just like playing those kind of decks at events like these. Everyone likes you know being the controlled mid-range spiky player, and it's it's a deck that gives you play. Yeah, people like thinking about their plays. I think. Yeah, so I would say that uh, I'm expecting some good things from Omnath, and whoever can get under or beat Omnath. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know. I mean, it's modern. We, I would not be surprised if there's like three Yawgmoth in the top 32. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if yeah. there are uh, three mill decks in the in the top 64. It's like, I, you I just, think it's that's modern. another good call, especially in a field this large. If those people who are playing some of the really strong and perhaps unexpected combos, whether it's mill, if you call it a combo deck, or yeah. something like Yawgmoth, or like Glimpse of Possibilities, right, I think a right. really tight player playing an off-meta deck could take a lot of people by surprise that may be in a position like we are where if it's me, I'm trying to beat Luris, and it's someone else trying to beat Omnath or Control, I think some of these strategies, you know, these, these perhaps more degenerate strategies that aren't necessarily taking up a lot of the conversation in the modern online metagame, yeah. this is the type of room where I think that they could overperform. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, it's very, we talk about this a lot, which is the online meta is different than the paper meta for a variety of reasons. One is strictly cost barriers. You cannot rent 
Many decks, even if you're paying a rental service like Mana Traders, use sign-up code the dive down 2021 for 15% off your first two months. Yeah. You can't even rent some of these four-color money piles with one of the top-tier subscriptions. That's true. That's true. Rent on uh, six, expensive card. <laughs> yeah. So I would, I'm curious about how, if we'll see a lot more of the expensive controlling decks in paper, yeah. because the cost barrier is only uh, the amount you want to spend. <laughs> in real life right. and i also think that people do generate towards those decks in rooms like these and i'm but i'm also curious if it's you know how if it's delayed from the online meta although i do feel like the online meta has pre-solidified around these four and five color control strategies being some of the most popular and powerful decks yeah but i do expect to see kind of the same cross-section we've been seeing you know uh hammer Rhinos, Azorius, Four Color Control, Burn. What else am I missing, Stan? Jund. Jund yeah, Jund Saga. Maybe maybe some kind of like Luris pile type thing. People love the, the Luris mid-rangey stuff. But yeah, I mean, I think that we're not going to see anything too wild. But I am curious to sit and analyze what happens uh, in a paper tournament like this. Now, Shane. Yes. Important to mention, there's a lot of citizens of the nation here. We're going to hang out with this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be great. You're going to play some modern, right? Oh yeah. We got to register for at least one event together. And yeah, I'm going to show I'm going them to... what being a <laughs> mid-tier modern podcast that comes out every Wednesday or Thursday yes. gets you in experience points. Yeah, I mean, we got to wrap the play mats. We got to wrap those play mats. I mean, I have a sticker on my deck box. I wish I had our deck boxes, but you know, let's get out on of here. We've we've guessed enough we we will have the day in front of us we'll have some interviews coming up and we'll be able to talk about what is happening on day one and day two and uh good luck my friend is is that is that post malone no no that's that's just the pokemon yeah just it's a pokeman all right see you soon wow that was really great guys yeah i'm, I'm as i felt i felt bad just playing that for you dave it's like wish you should have been there is the format of this episode, I listen to you two talking to each other in another place, and then I react to the conversation? Well, thankfully, that's... Is this like that, that's the that only thing time, from inside? That's the only time you're going to hear us, just us talk. So Where I react to the reaction video? <laughs> well, Dave, what are, what are your initial mm -hmm. thoughts? Because you basically... You guys nailed you it. Know, well, you know what we know. What are you thinking? I mean, you know, I, I thought that was a... a great assessment of what was going on into the uh before the event i i really don't think anybody knew what was going to happen just because it'd been so long since there'd been a modern field with so many players in it so i think it's hard to be like yeah i definitely thought x was going to happen i definitely thought z was going to happen and since you know knowing what the top eight turned out to be i think that you know unpredictability was sort of a, a big part of the uh, the whole thing but i will say that going into this tournament thinking a lot about four color control is probably where where my mind was at as well, assuming a lot of people were going to pick that deck up again. And then, a lot, you know, I kind of think a lot of, I was expecting a lot of people to be on Hammer Time and a lot of people to be on Murktide. Mm. And I, uh, you know, some parts of that bore out and some parts of it didn't, but we'll, we'll never, not never, because there is a good chance that Channel Fireball is going to go through all these deck lists at some point in time and put out an article about the full meta. I bet they do it, but I feel like, that's still going to be a big part of the meta that we, if we ever see what it really was. Um, and then, you know, like, like you guys pointed out because of the way paper works, it's always a slower, more um, solid kind of meta game than online. And so we, we're going to have 
those other decks pop up and let's see what happens. What do you think about Stan's pivot? Loved it. You loved it. <laughs> I did love it. You know, Stan you loved it? was not happy was not happy with, with playing Murktide decks right before he went to the event. He was struggling a bit with, with tournaments and things like that. Um you know, I, I, I almost was going to say, Stan, you should just play Rhinos, but I was just going to leave it alone because I thought he was going to get there on his own anyway. And you did. You're, really? What, what a dad. What a dad. I mean, I was just, I was thinking that maybe, I, th- I think it might have just been easier to go to something like that with that type of deck. Yeah. Not to repeat what Shane just said in the, uh, in this audio commentary, ver- this director's cut version of it. But, um, <laughs> You know, I, I think that it made a lot of sense to switch to it, and it, it had a more proactive plan, and so you could just kind of do your thing unless you had to do something else and really just present those big pachyderm-related threats. Thanks, Dave. I'm glad that you feel that way. I felt good about my decision. I'll talk more about how I actually performed in the tournament a little later on, because what I'd love to hear is some more of these day one interviews. For sure. I mean, before we get to that, though, I do want to talk about the actual event. And I think people were kind of surprised that it sold out. It, it capped at 1400 and it, it sold out before uh, everyone who wanted to get in got in, I think. I think people are, you know, of course, notoriously procrastinating. So one thing I want to talk about, though, is, you know, how the event sold out, 1400 people capped. Uh, it sold out, I think, before people expected it to. I think people thought they could sort of sneak in at the last minute or take their time. And I don't know if CFB was extremely overt in terms of saying, hey, this can cap at a certain number of people. But I think this really showed that people were hungry for uh, an event, a paper event, a way to hang out with people. Uh, Vegas was the perfect choice, I think, for, the, for, for doing it. Last Grand Prix, we went to together. That's a yeah. That's a good point. Grand Prix Denver, right? Well, we, I was in Phoenix with some of the citizens of the nation, but together, yeah, we were at GP. Okay, so you actually went to the last GP before COVID, and it was the first Pioneer GP, right? Was that Grand Prix Phoenix? Do you remember how many people were in that event, Shane? Oh, I don't know. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was around that same number that were in that event, and that's in pre-COVID times. What do you got, Stan? According to Magic.gg, Grand Prix Phoenix 2020, final standings, 941 players. And it goes all the way down to players with zero points, which I'm guessing means this is a complete list. Yeah. Let's see how many points Shane got. Ooh, Shane Beers, 27 points, 126th place. Yeah, this is definitely a complete list. He did well. Yeah. So um, I, I think people, I mean, I know that they weren't really communicating that, but boy, boy, isn't that just a 2021 thing of uh, being surprised about scarcity of something that you thought there was going to be a lot of. You know what it is, Dave? It's the supply chain of, of chairs, convention center yeah. chairs. Well, I mean, I'm sure that they had to think about all kinds of COVID related security things that they decided to do. You know, how, how much distance you're going to have a between people if we have 1400 players how many people are we going to be able to actually have in the hall and how many people do we think we're going to show up that are just wandering like i'm sure that they had a reason for capping it eventually for any number of concerns not least of which was just an an arbitrary number of people that they felt they could manage reasonably through a tournament itself so yeah sorry to say that some people got locked out of it um you know, it's tough. That's how that's what happens with magic tournaments. I mean, this was the event of 2021. Like, there's not going to be another one this for the rest of this year. Maybe if we're lucky, we'll get something early 
next year at some point next year i have to hope that channel fireball is looking into it again right now or maybe some other people are starting to dip their toes back in i hope for my sakes since i'll probably be allowed to go to in the future but uh, yeah what did you guys think about that how was the mood on the floor were there a lot of people there who were trying to get in the main event and didn't get in or uh i don't actually know i think i mean there's a couple of people on twitter you know and stuff like that but i think by and large, it seemed like most people got in who wanted to. Yeah, I mean, it didn't feel like there was a big reaction on the ground of people who showed up to play and couldn't. The mood on the floor was very, very positive. It was the happiest place in America this weekend. That's great. <laughs> That's a good point. I agree. So let's hear from a couple other players that you talked to uh, at during day one here. Right on. So... Uh, you know, as Stan was making his way through the initial rounds of the main event, I found a few folks to talk to. Uh, and I guess before we get into these floor interviews, like just please bear with the background noise that you might hear some potentially muffled voices. You know, we were in a noisy environment. People were wearing masks for safety. So it's not going to sound as immaculate as usual. It's hard to work around those uh, PA announcements happening just sort of randomly throughout the day. But Let's start by talking to Joe Lissette after round one. All right, this is Shane. I'm here with Joe Lissette. And where are you in from, Joe? Dude, I'm in from, uh, from Southern California. We drove in. And uh, yeah, it's cool. I mean, close to, I know people drove in, flew in for this event, but you know, we take the, the overnight ride. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this is a sick event. I'm super happy to be here. It's, I cannot believe how big it is. Like, it's so spread out. There's so many different rooms that we're in. And there's just what there's like they filled it up at fourteen hundred people yeah. or so. Like, I don't know. If, I think that might have been the actual cap. I'm not sure. Yeah, but they like capped this, it. This like this this convention hall is set up like a Grand Prix. I mean, there's like side event area, commander area, the dealer zone. Like this is, I mean, the events I've played in since like since the pandemic started were like forty player store yeah, events. Exactly. And this is, this is infinite compared to those. Yeah, I'm I'm amped to be here. People definitely seem amped to be here. Um, are you playing in the main event today? You bet, man. Oh, uh, what are you playing? I'm playing four color Omnath. Oh man, uh, that with deck. some bring to lights. I really like it. It's uh, so good. I've been working on it for quite a while. Feel pretty good with it. Uh, my first round opponent didn't show up, oh, so man. I haven't actually got to play yet. But uh, yeah, well, I mean, I'll take it. It's the best win possible. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent opponent match win percent or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Um, so what you said? It's you have, do you have your own little spin on the four color? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, so if you're envisioning like. Because, like, four-color Omnath or five-color Omnath is, with Brain to Light is not, like, unique. Like, there's other people playing it. Yeah. Uh, I would say that mine is less emphasized. Um, most of the lists I see have four Brain to Lights. I'm only playing two. Okay. And I board them out fairly often. Yeah. So I'm not as... Uh, I'm just... I'm basically... All the cards are four ofs, aside from those. Okay. All the Planeswalkers, all the... All the all four Omnaths. A lot of people only have two or three Omnaths. It's like... It's the best card. I started playing the stack, and I, I copied a list to start with, and they have, like... Three Teferi, three running six, three Omnath. I'm like, uh, these are all really good cards. What are you doing? These are just all I want to do is play more of these. So yeah, up to four of all those, reduce some of the tutor package, and yeah, uh, yeah it runs pretty smooth. I, mean, I like it. When do you take out the Brindle lights? So um, if I don't need, if I because the, the two real, t- I'm not playing Valky because I'm only playing four colors. So I've got Supreme Verdict and Escape Shift. So if I don't feel like I need to race, then Escape Shift maybe doesn't isn't necessary. Sure. And then uh, if I don't need Supreme, you, know, you you can tell when you don't need Supreme Verdict. Yeah. So, yeah, against a lot of decks, I bore out both of those. In which sure. case, then Bring Delight's not so exciting. So I take that out, too. And then you're bringing in, you know, depending on what you're playing, it's like Fluster Storm or Veil of Summer or uh, Force of Vigor is... Bonkers. I can't believe how good Force of Vigor is. 
I mean, who knew the free spells that hit two for one free I spells mean, did well? I mean, yeah, like against the hammer decks. Oh, uh, it's bonkers. I bored out Supreme Verdict. Yeah. Because Force of Vigor is like, <laughs> Supreme Verdict is too slow. Force of Vigor is insane. <laughs> and yeah, I went up to four of those and didn't even look back. It's so good. Yeah, it's it's extremely good. Yeah. what That makes me think, um, what do you think Modern is about right now? Like, what does Modern feel like it's about to you? Uh, well, like. A month or two ago, I would have said it's it's all about the red one drops. Yeah, right. Um, I'm not so sure. I feel that way anymore. I I've, like just. I mean, I play. I mean, we're still coming out of the pandemic, and I, I play most of my modern online. Yeah, and it's not Ragavan after Ragavan after Ragavan anymore. I mean, there's a lot of different stuff. I feel like the format is is pretty healthy. It's pretty. There's a you play against a lot of different stuff. Super dynamic. Yeah, I mean it's strong though. I mean these decks are there's a lot of strong decks and like the cascade decks are all over the place. Yeah. Um, but which is like they're really good, but it's they're kind of they're kind of like they they have a really good thing they do, but it doesn't just automatically win the game. Yeah, exactly. So it's like it's okay. Yeah, it's weird. Like there's like the combo decks barely feel like combo decks because yeah. they're just more like sort of value combo. Yeah, and then the actual combo decks which you almost don't even see. Yeah. Uh, the other day I was playing, I was on uh, a 17 match winning streak, which is the most I've won in a row in years. And then I played against Storm and got demolished. <laughs> and then I played against next match, I played against Through the Breach Emrakul and got demolished again. I was like, did you guys not get the memo? This is not what the format is about. <laughs> the f- format's about four color value exactly. files. Exactly. But, uh, no, I, I think the format is, is really struck, really well spread now and, and I'm happy with it. And like, what's the format about? I think it's about, I think we're at a healthy spot where Legacy was at, you know, maybe like five or six years ago, where sure. it's like, you can do what you want as long as you know what your deck does and you play yes. it well. Yeah. You can kind of play what you want. And there is, you know, you, you okay, yeah, Ragaman's really good. Cascading into multiple four fours is really good. But like, those things are beatable. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. not, like, you can play, if you like something and you're used to it, you can play it. That's how, yeah, I feel the exact same way. That's what we've been saying on the pod lately is like, you see the churn in the top 32s. Yeah. You see all the different decks that keep cycling through. It's like, this is just a skill format. Yeah. And I, I, th- I would, th- I think without Force of Vigor or some other like power artifact hate, I think Hammer might kind of run over the format. Yeah. But the cyber cards are so good against them that it held, yeah. holds it back and it's, it's able to, you can play against it. Yeah. Right on. Well, Joe, thanks a ton for your time. Sure. I appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the tournament. Thanks. Hopefully, I'll see you at the top tables uh, I mean, tomorrow. If, if the rest of my opponents are like the first one, don't show up. I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Thanks, man. All right, Joe Lizette there. Uh, for the people who don't know who he is, longtime SCG grinder, right? I'm looking at a page here of his. Uh, it's an intro from when I think he was on Card Hoarder's team from a couple of years ago where at that point in time, he had 22 SCG top eights, five SCG tour wins, two, two SCG Envy top eights, and one Grand Prix top eight. And that is probably f- three, four years out of date. So the guy is someone who keeps going. And for those who are wondering, Joe came in 49th at Vegas uh, over the weekend, going 10 and four with his four-color Omnath Bring to Light deck that he was just talking about. Yeah, it was awesome to talk to Joe. I liked getting his insight on, you know, even just kind of some sideboarding ideas and and how he's trying to fight some of the best decks like Hammer. And I'm curious if you all would have thought to do that. Like, I feel like, Stanislav, you love your Wraths. I feel like you would never take out Supreme Verdict against Hammer Time. And it's not against your skills. I don't think I would either. Like, do you think that's like something that you would contemplate? Well, I did love his point that the free spell is just faster. 
and it has that same effect. Yeah. Um, I do think that playing control, you do sometimes have to think about when are rats good, and I often feel this point of tension in like the blue-white versus burn matchup where, you know, am I playing a game where I have to worry about two goblin guides in a monastery swift spear, in which case my supreme bird is, is great, or, or do I need to be a little bit more defensive for the stack? And I really love what Joe identified here is that this is a matchup that, at least in his point of view, where you don't have to worry about that four mana sweeper because you just have a much more efficient answer that has effectively the same effect. Yeah, right on. All right. Well, it was awesome to hear from Joe. Love to meet him someday myself. Shane. Yes. Who did you talk to next? Did you talk to any podcast hosts? Any other podcast hosts other than Stan? Yes. Well, you know, right next to Joe was his also his longtime STG friend and well-known face of the magic community and co-host of MTG Rants. Tannen Grace. All right, I'm here with Tannen Grace, the Tannen Grace. Put some respect on that name, yeah. <laughs> uh, known broadcaster, co-host of MTG Rant, so thanks for sitting down with me for a minute. Uh, where you in from, Tannen? Uh, I'm in from Betters, Louisiana, yeah. uh, but I do kind of still call this place like home away from home. I did live here for like five years, and I spent a lot of summers here before that even, too. So this is a, we're in Las Vegas, by the way, for anybody <laughs> home that's listening. <laughs> yeah, good reminder. Yeah. We are uh What's the official name of this tournament? Just CFB Vegas? Uh, I saw saw hashtag MTG Vegas, I think, was going. So I'm not really sure because, you know, it's not a Grand Prix, but it is. Yeah, it's a a fake, (laughs) not not a GP GP. I think you could hear it in Shane's voice there. He did the little air quotes. (laughs) It's it's a GP. There you go. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, are you, uh, this is, is this, did you go to the Hunter Burton or is this like your first big event? So, uh, this would be my first big magic event. Since, yeah, go, cause you were at like the, right. yeah, you were at the Flesh and Blood events right, doing yeah, broadcasting so, and playing. Right, yeah, I've been doing the Flesh and Blood events, um, on the broadcast side, so yeah. I don't get the same experience. I, I'm not mingling with the crowd as much because sure. I'm busy, yeah. you know, a lot during the day. Uh, I do like it. The community is absolutely amazing. Yeah, right. So if you have any qualms at home, if you're thinking about trying out Flesh and Blood for Magic, I think it'd be very rewarding for you to do so. It's a very good game, very skill intensive. You'll like what you see. I'm glad that you're enjoying it too, enjoying the community. Um, Are you playing the main event today? Uh, I'm not playing in the modern main event. So what are you going to be playing, if not the modern event? Some, uh, I'm going to be playing yeah, the, the, uh, the sealed event tomorrow. Oh, got it, I mean, got it, hopefully, got it. The, it turn, you know, turns into draft. It's like a sealed GP. So oh, it'd be sealed yeah, day, day two draft. draft. Oh, so that's hopefully awesome. we're playing three drafts. That would be hopefully awesome. Hopefully we're doing all three. Also, it would be great if I do really well in the event, then I miss my flight, but that's because I have a flight home late Sunday night, but uh, I need to be home Monday morning. But if that happens, we're winning thousands of dollars for playing Magic, so I'm completely okay You'll with You'll be it. okay. Well, uh, what, is, what is second place in this tournament? Oh, I'm pretty sure that's where I'm going, but we'll see. Um I know that you know you and Ross on uh, Rants Pod. You pay attention to the formats and things like that. What do you feel like modern is kind of about right now? Like, what do you think people need to be thinking about and doing in their preparation yeah, and play? That's a really good question, right? Really poignant with today with the thing that's going on. Um, I think in modern, what, what it's about right now is you're playing like one of like a few kind of decks, right? I think there's Omnath decks yeah. of, of some form. You know, you've seen sixty card, eighty card variants, right? You, then you have like the fairish decks, and where I lump those are like the DRC Ragavan or like blue eye control decks. Yeah. Or then you have the decks that are doing slightly unfair things like rhinos. It's slightly yeah, unfair. It's, very, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of fair. It's just like it's like it big breaks value. the parameter. And then you have like the unfair deck, which is like the new hot thing on the block, which is Charbelcher. By yeah. the way, I feel like everything has come full circle in Magic since we're talking about Charbelcher because. When I was first getting back into competitive magic, that card got printed back yeah. in the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. So this is a, this is an oldie but a goodie. <laughs> I mean, it does something 
always look for cards that do something entirely unique that's also game breaking, right? You know, it's it's funny when they started making um what are they called the modal lands? There's like a yeah. an acronym for them. I can't remember what it is. Okay. DMC or something like that. Oh, or? the 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 MDFCs, M- modal yeah. dual face sure. cards or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that thing. Those those letters that in words that I don't know. Uh, when those first came out and we saw those, I remember saying to my buddy, I was like, this is going to break Belcher, right? Yeah. You know, and then like it took a little while. Like we saw Balistrade Spy do really well in Pioneer and yeah, Modern yeah. and stuff like that. So honestly, if I were playing this weekend and I had like only a little while to test, I would probably be on the Belcher deck and just trying to win all my games like oops. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. kind of thing. If not, I'd probably be playing like the blue red, uh, you know. Is it Merktide? Yeah. Stuff? Is it Merktide? I was going to say, I didn't know if it had a name. That kind of deck because it's, it's my style. Obviously, yeah, right. I'm a Delver guy. Oh, yeah, exactly. But, I mean, Modern looks to be in one of the best places over the last year and a half that it's been in a long time, and it's unfortunate that we haven't been able to have Paper Magic as much. Right. Because I really think that this would have helped Magic a lot in the last two years with, you know, Standard being close to unplayable for a while and, you know, some people not liking it very much and Legacy being in not a great place uh, formatly. So... It's nice to see that, like, the flagship format is good and healthy, you know? Right, I agree. Yeah, we are having a lot of fun covering it. You know, it's very... Keep cycling new best decks all the time, so I'm glad that people are, seem like they're enjoying it. I mean, they sold out this event, so... Uh, Tana, thanks a ton for your time. Uh, good luck with your sealed G, you know, GP, in quotes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but enjoy the rest of your weekend. Shane, thank you very much. You too, buddy. You know, I had the privilege of meeting Tannen on the floor on, on Friday or Saturday, and he is, in fact, in person, as friendly and lovely as he sounded in that interview and as fun as he seems in, in both MTG Rants and on Twitter. I, I really enjoyed meeting him, and I'm really glad that you got that interview. Yeah, and then we randomly ran into each other at the airport like when like it was right around dinner time, and he was there early. I was there a little bit early, and we just got some pizza and uh, hung out and chit-chatted about stuff for like an hour or so, and that was a lot of fun too. So it's nice to get to know Tannen a little bit more. But we also caught up with some old friends of the pod, and I'm going to leave this to be, to be a little bit of a surprise. So let's go with old friend number one. All right, I'm here with our first guest on the Dive Down mm-hmm. Golf Schlesinger, better known as, probably better known as Yama Killer. <laughs> on Twitter and Twitch. But you're taking a little break from Twitch right now, right? Yeah, taking a break, trying to go back to regular work. Yeah, then, then I see you here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little bit burnt out from streaming and like playing Magic every day. Yeah. So I'm playing a little bit of Magic here and there, but um, mainly taking... Trying to take as much of a break as I can, you know. I still play like every week, but yeah, right. Yeah, it's like I mean, you can't you can't quit this. Yeah, it's a great game. Mm-hmm. Um, where are you in from? I forget. From Oregon, yeah, Eugene, Oregon. Awesome, cool. So it's a not too bad of a flight down here, yeah. right? Awesome. I had to like do some random flight to like Seattle, then to here, which is like weird. But yeah, it seems weird. Um, mm-hmm. But you you've been keeping up with modern though. Yeah, I'm keeping you, up. What are you enjoying right now? Uh, I've been playing a lot of Grixis Lyris. I know there are other decks that are popping up, like those four color like big money piles. Yeah, exactly. I've not had the time to play those at all. Okay, but um, that fits your play style. The the sh- the Rakdos Lur- I mean, excuse me, the Grixis Lyris style decks. Yeah, I practice a lot of Grixis Lyris and had a lot of experience with it. And while I haven't practiced over the past couple of weeks, I still see people putting up like some results. So I was like, Yeah, okay, it still yeah. probably should be good enough to you know come on down. I'm not trying insanely hard for this tournament yeah but i'm still gonna try but you're in the main event yeah, yeah. awesome how are you doing so far i'm one and one i lost to grixis zombies of all decks whoa it's like i had a turn where i was about to like lock up the board and be good as long as they like didn't rip a grave crawler because i was gonna call command like make him discard it they yeah, ripped yeah, the grave yeah. crawler and it's like 
where the golem bar barman just ping me until I died. Oh my gosh. Some days some days the top decks get you. Yeah. I mean <laughs> the the previous round I one outed my opponent to win, so Oh my gosh. You know. Yeah, it's like you know, yeah, some days chicken, some days feathers. Yeah. <laughs> no, um so what have you been enjoying? What have you been thinking about modern lately? Like, I know you're probably still playing it. Yeah. Like, how are you generally feeling about it? A lot of Modern Horizons 2 cards are like the best things to be doing. Yeah. Which it has trended more towards mid range and control decks, a lot less linear, linear decks. Yeah. For which sure. is what I assume a lot of people want out of modern. Yeah, yeah. They don't want many like Belchers and Saul Spells and Storm and that type of stuff. So, there's some people I know that have been like displaced, going like, oh, I hate this new linear, like, I can't do any of my combo stuff that I used to do. Yeah, yeah. But for the most part, it seems like a lot of people really like Modern right now. Yeah, like, what do you think Modern's, like, about? Besides Horizons 2 cards. Uh, I think, well, a lot of people, I talk to a lot of the, the quote-unquote Zoomers that play. Yeah. And they basically just try to go, like, okay, what are the new cards that are broken? Try to just put all those in the decks all the time and try my best to do that. Yeah. And every time I go, like, it's like, okay, yeah, start your decks all with four Express Federations, like... Four Solitudes, some Ren and Sixes, some, like, Ragavans or whatever. Like, try and play these new broken cards. Like, a lot of people are still thinking, like, oh, I got to play Path to Exile and Lingering Souls and these cards that are, like, oh traditionally gosh. have been good in Modern. And I think that the thinking now is more towards play these new cards, play the good like, play the good cards. Like, yeah. people's thoughts have gone from metagaming and trying to find niche strategies to just play the good cards. And see what happens. Which is, I mean, good and bad in different ways. I mean, it's what's interesting, though, is even with, I mean... Even though we got a giant influx of new cards, mm-hmm. like it went from red one drops and you know aggressive and kind of tempo-y decks, and now we're mm-hmm. seeing kind of the the slow creep of these four color money piles and five color money piles that are like just slowing the format down a little bit and just controlling the game so well. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you think like I mean I, I see like a very cyclical meta game, mm-hmm. but do you feel like we're reaching a point where it's just like we're gonna know? that these control decks are so good because of all the free spells and powerful spells that they have access to? Or do you think there's angles of attacks? I think there is angles of attacks, but there are angles of attacks that most people don't want to play. Like Belcher or something Belcher, like that? Yeah. <laughs> like, I know personally, I've tried to play Belcher. I know it's, like, actually good against these piles. I just, I don't like playing it. So sure. it's, like, I think it's going to be difficult because the decks that people want to play are not necessarily the decks that actually combat the metagame. Because, yep. like... You need to be a very special player to go like, yeah, I want to play like 15 rounds of Belcher and, you know, I'm just going to have a blast. Like, Yeah, it's it's weird. Like, you know, sort of traditionally you get under a control deck, right? Like mm-hmm. because they didn't really have a lot of ways to interact with you cheaply or for free. And now with all of the elemental spells and things like that, I feel like these control decks have so many tools and so many free tools yeah. and then ways to recover so cleanly with Omnath and things like that. It's yeah. like. It's, it's hard for an aggro player out there sometimes. Yeah. Going underneath as an aggro player is not really like as viable as it was. I think burn is still actually somewhat good. Yeah. Because people are really going up, like, even though there's solitudes and stuff, they're going, like, cutting one drops, they're cutting, they're going to twos and threes and fours, and if you just play a goblin god on turn one, sometimes people just can't win. Yeah. But, like, the real thing to do, strike it rich, you know, play your iron crack feet and belcher them out, <laughs> people aren't playing counter spells. It's like Solitude doesn't do anything, Fury doesn't do anything, Fairy doesn't do anything. Like, right on. I mean, we we just had Zach Allen on, and he was saying we need more force negations, y'all. Like we need yeah. to be playing those. Yeah. So no, but Yama uh, Gall, thanks for your time. Yeah. Good luck uh, the rest of the day. Hopefully, I see you at the top tables in day two. I'll so try my I'll, best. I'll be keeping an eye on you. So thanks again for your time. Good to have you back on. Yeah. Nice talking. And Gall did play at the top tables, as it turned out. He went eleven and three Whoa. for twenty twenty sixth place. 
sounded like he was on Grixis Luris from that interview. I haven't seen, it doesn't look like he shared a list out on Twitter, but um, yeah, you know, a couple of things didn't break his way to cut him out of top eight, it says here. Um, but yeah, 26th place. Man, all these people are finishing real well. Yeah. Shane, you are the opposite of a cooler. What's the opposite of a cooler? A good luck charm. <laughs> Blowing on everybody's dice and they're ending up towards the top. They stole all my luck because I definitely lost some cash at the craps table. Yeah, interesting interview, though, huh? Very. I feel like there's a lot to unpack there. A, Grix of Zombies. Would love to somehow dig that list up with the help of the internet. Yeah, I mean, it sounded like it was the Bombardment Zombies list, which is something that people in our Discord have been playing around with a little bit here and there occasionally. Goblin Bombardment, powerful card that was snuck into Modern Horizons 2 that obviously doesn't have a really, really strong home yet. But free sack outlets, free sack outlets always uh, find ways to be abused, I think. Yeah, the other thing that Gall said there, which I'm not sure I've ever heard someone say about Modern, is that there's an angle of attack for this metagame that just people don't want to pursue. That Belcher is perhaps a really good meta call against some of these greedy decks, these four-color Omnath piles, but people just don't want to play Belcher. And, you know, were people saying that about KCI or Storm, you know, three, four years ago? I I can't remember anyone ever saying, like, yeah, you could just play this combo deck, but no one wants to. Well, I think KCI, I remember we did see, like, that slow growth of people sort of understanding how to play it. And because there was still so many competitive outlets to win something meaningful with it, we did see it creep up and become a deck that people were kind of spiking the meta with. But also KCI was just the best deck sort of flat out. It didn't have a lot of natural predators. And I don't think that's the case of like Charbelcher. I think Charbelcher is just uniquely situated to beat a few popular decks right now. So it's like a good meta deck and not just kind of like the de facto incredible deck. And so I think that's an interesting difference. We also, of course, had to catch up with our buddy, Aspiring Spike. All right. I'm here with the unofficial fourth co-host, Everett Mohan, aka Aspiring Spike. So, Spike, welcome to Vegas, my friend. Yeah, I've never been. I'm really excited. Really? Have you not been here? Yep. Nope. Yeah, what are you thinking so far? Uh, well, I've seen only the convention center, but it's gigantic, and <laughs> it's... This is also, like, maybe the most people I've seen at a Magic tournament ever. It's huge. Yeah, it's a lot of people. I mean, it's... They really rented this space out. Like, yeah, they've got dude. all the... all the, Every corner of this hall is full of stuff, full of tables, I love the space we have. Like I know I'm, it's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is. I hope we never go back to. Oh my gosh! Eight, six or eight people at a table. No, that's not acceptable any longer. We 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 have the new normal. Yeah. But you got in this morning, right? You I did. Close. Yeah. I got up at four a.m. Uh, flight was on time, so we made it. Just awesome. barely. And what are you on today? I'm playing uh, Red Black Rock. Yeah, you've been into that lately. Yeah, it's been really good. I've been winning a lot with it, and uh, just felt like the best thing to play. So. I feel like you could win with the proverbial ham sandwich, but what is it about Red Black Rock that you think is doing well for you lately? Well, of all, of all the ham sandwiches I've been playing, this is one's been performing really well. It's particularly good against the Omnath Prismatic Ending decks. Okay, why is that? Uh, Turok specifically being protection from white and also being a three for one is huge against them. Den of the Bugbear and Croaks are also really good against them as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, especially compared to other Ragavan strategies, Jun Saga, uh, Blue Red Murktide, the 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 Turoks and the Croaks really give you an edge in those matchups while also still getting to do what the Ragavan decks do well as being a fast, disruptive deck. And that's what I've really liked about it. 
I think it's got a good matchup spread, and uh, yeah, I guess there's nothing else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like it's funny how creature lands have been such a force in like historic and yeah. standard lately against the control strategies, but I feel like people haven't been playing creature lands in modern very much lately. Adventures in the Forgotten Realm kind of changed that dynamic, I think, where the uh, that cycle of lands that are untapped and tapped for a color, they're really, really strong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, especially Den of the Bugbear. Yeah, and uh, it's it's interesting because, like, you want them so early. Yeah. Right? And But have you found that it's not really a big deal to have them come in late just because the efficiency of modern? Yeah, especially in this red-black deck where your curve is so low. Like, your deck is almost all one and two drops that your Din always enters untapped to cast your one and two mana spells. And then on turn three, a lot of times you'll play a tap Din and then play just two one-drops or a two-drop, and it's not really that big a deal yeah. that that third land enters tapped. So I got to ask, for all the people like myself who are watching their budget, how important are the legendary Kamigawa lands? Um, they're probably the last things you should buy if you're <laughs> buying into the deck, but you win a surprising number of games with them. They are a definite... You definitely want them. Some they're percentage really points. Yeah, yeah, they're, they, I would say that I usually win one out of every 15 games with the Kamigawa land. Okay, I mean, yeah. that's, a, yeah, that, yeah, that's a, which is a significant that amount. That adds up, that's one, yeah. that's one, one match in yeah. this GP. Or, uh, yep, exactly. <laughs> so, how, you play probably more modern than anyone I'm going to talk to. Okay. Yep. Uh, what are you feeling about the format right now? And you, and like you, as a streamer, I think you're almost forced to being like, I love playing what I'm playing. <laughs> like, how yeah, do you yeah, feel? Yeah. How do you feel about modern? Well, I think gameplay is right really good. It's also like dynamic and changing a lot, and it's also the format's really hard to figure out because there are so many different viable strategies, and no matter which which one you pick, it really doesn't feel like you're incredibly favored against the field as a whole. The the most matchups, e even like. You know, you, you'll have your spread of good and bad matchups, but it won't be drastic. It won't be dr a drastic uh, matchup. Like, it's, I think it's very rare to find a 60-40 matchup in modern right now. I think that um, there, there are a few, but the format's very tight, competitive, rewards you for knowing the format well. It's changing a lot, and it's good. Yeah. yeah. What's, I've been talking to a few other people, and, like, one of the things that we've, we keep talking about is, like, it has not been stale. Like the, yeah. the the you know the main thing is Horizons two cards are definitely powerful and definitely prevalent, but we keep seeing a lot of different ways that people are using those to win. Like we went from like the, you know the aggressive red decks kind of coming out of the gate mm -hmm. and being really strong, and then becoming like the tempo Merc tie strategies, and now I, we see like the four and five color sort of control decks being really popular and powerful. And yeah, so, like, and, and then now we also see Belcher coming in to just punish those decks too. That, one thing that I don't love, and I'm curious what you think, is like formerly, I feel like aggressive decks could try to punish slower controlling strategies, but now there's like so many of the free spells that can sort of like get that mm -hmm. card and tempo advantage back, where it's like you can't get under me. And so, do you think there are other ways that people are sleeping on, like, attacking these controlling strategies besides, mm -hmm. like, the Belchery type yeah. stuff? Well, I think the red-black uh, deck that I'm playing is very good at attacking it. I'll also say that, you know, I think maybe one big thing that's hampering aggressive strategies beyond the Furies and the Solitudes is Hammer Time just being... Uh, it's a better aggro deck than any other aggro deck you could play. Right. Um, Bird, 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 is, Bird is also, I will say, good, good favored against... Uh, Omnath and favored against uh, control, where it's like 
they have all these hyper-efficient creature removals for hammer time. You just have a lot of burn spells, and you can't fury a burn spell. I mean, you can fury idol on the Great Rebel, but that's a good exchange. But <laughs> uh, I, I do believe burn is favored against four color and blue white control. Like I said, it's not a crazy good matchup. You have to play really tight. You have to know the matchup. But if you're playing proficiently and you know the matchup, you're, you're favored against uh, those decks. So um, I would say if you're looking to play an aggressive deck to beat those strategies, uh, burn is probably your, your, your yep. deck. How do you try to overcome the Omnath situation, where it's like a single fetch land can be a bunch of life and like just really get those roiling vortexes down and try not to get them bounced? Yeah, or? it means main deck Slowcrack is a good card at the moment, I think. And Omnath is a four mana spell. That's my pairing. Yeah. Omnath is a four mana spell. You can get underneath it. They won't have Omnath every time, especially not in a 80 card version. And except that like, in that matchup, Omnath is the best card against you by a lot, but it's kind of the only good card against you in their whole deck. Yep. And they're an 80-card deck, and if they don't have it, you're just going to yep. crush them. All right, Spike, your pairing just got announced, so good luck in the next rounds. You're 3-0 so far. I'm sure I'll catch up with you either later today or tomorrow. So good right. luck, my friend. Thanks, Shane. Always good to hear from Spike. Absolutely. I mean, I was excited to hear that Spike brought the red-black list. As I mentioned on a show a couple of weeks ago, ago that it was one of my favorite decks from of to play ever since modern horizons 2 came out and so i'd speculated a little bit like maybe there's a chance that that deck comes back again at some point i didn't have a reason for saying that but um it certainly was something that if i had gone i would have considered playing just because i liked playing it and i had the cards yeah man it was everywhere like i was i was scouting the the top tables um and just there was plenty of people on it and winning with it. Getting that spike bump because he had started streaming it a lot over the last couple of weeks for sure. We didn't interview him, but one of the people we got to meet in Vegas was Bamzing himself. Unofficial fifth co-host. <laughs> yeah, our, our unofficial data source for everything on the show. He was also on Red Black Rock, actually. Oh, no kidding. And also day two'd with it. Yeah. Um, I, I really liked Spike's point there about the importance of the Kamigawa lands and how, on the one hand, they're the last things you need to buy. But on the other hand, they are very relevant in, you know, 10% of matches. Dave, has that been your experience as well, where they're, they come in handy here and there, but, you know, you can maybe play the deck effectively without them? Yeah, I, I would say it's definitely the latter. Um, I don't own them. I've played around a little bit with friends over the months with that deck and you know you a lot and it's been fine with that sense the um also online i was playing the deck almost more so before that particular tech was picked Uh, up by everybody so a couple months ago and it it the deck still felt powerful however you know of course having a land that you can play that lets your ragavan attack in effectively into something or lets you know lets you have an unblockable creature suddenly or something like that definitely makes a big difference so i can they're they're all upside for sure there's no there's no downside to playing those cards honestly the only downside is i believe that because of them getting popular in modern suddenly they're like hugely like, expensive like 22 dollars 25 dollars Oh, wow. The red one was up to like 40 at one point in really? time, I think. But yeah. People dug them out of their boxes. And Stan, the, the day's wearing on. You're, you're playing some rounds. And I caught up with fellow Denver local and recent addition to the Magic Pro League, Sam Pardee. All right. I am here with fellow Denverite, Sam Pardee. I have wanted to run into you <laughs> for a while. I've been in Denver for like four years. And I know that 
you know, you and a bunch of other really good players live in live in the city. I've only had a chance to talk to uh, Patrick. Uh, we had him on a guest episode that was awesome, so I'm glad to have time to talk to you in between rounds. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm four and one so far. Sick. Thanks, thanks for having me on. <laughs> awesome. What are you uh, What are you playing today? I'm playing uh, Kahira Elementals. So, sort of a little a little old school compared to like you know nowadays people are adding Yori into the deck and more more cards. But I'm just playing sixty with Kahira. Yeah, um, and is it performing well as you expected? Or yeah, yeah, it's been you know I, I lost a close match to Hammer and have won the other ones. So pretty awesome. Good. So have you been playing a lot of Modern lately or just not focused for the tournament? Uh, I have not been playing a ton. I've been playing a little bit. I, have, I honestly haven't been playing that much Magic, period, these days. But of what I when I have been playing, it's mostly been Modern because that's just the format I like the best. So Sure. Uh, I've been playing this deck for a while now and been having a good time with it. Well, it's good to hear that you like Modern. That's the format we cover the most. What are you liking about Modern? I think I mostly like that it's a little broader than standard in terms of the kinds of decks there are the interactions the pace of play like you know there are some some really long games some shorter games and a more diverse metagame compared to like standard where there's you know typically only four or five decks there's pro- in modern leagues especially there's oh you know, my gosh hundreds of things you could run into yeah like i was just i was just uh, scouting all the top tables like you know the foreign O decks and it was just like there's literally a dozen different decks that are currently performing perfectly fine. And like people can win with a whole lot of stuff. And that's always a fun thing about modern. I mean, what do you, a question I've been asking people is what do you feel like modern is kind of about right now? Like what do people need to be thinking about when they're picking a deck, when they're playing? The main thing that modern is about to me right now, I think is destructive is cheap powerful destructive interaction so like uh you know all the all the free elementals are all about interacting with your opponent in a way that stops them from doing their thing as opposed to in the past where i think it's been a lot more proactive where there weren't these free cards like force of negation and there were a lot more uh matches where it was sort of two ships passing in the night where you know like tron's trying to do its thing before infect kills them or whatever whatever the thing happened to be storm all that sort of stuff. I feel like a lot of that stuff has been pushed out by the new cards. And yeah. so now it's all about get figuring out either ways to avoid the interaction. Like Phyrexian Crusader seems like a really well-positioned card to me right now because yeah. it dodges Fury and Solitude. Right on. Or winning the like long, grindy-ish games where people are interacting back and forth. All your stuff's dying. Just you know, accepting that that's how it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah, it's been interesting to like see the evolution of even MH2 modern, like going from like sort of aggressive to mid-rangey to now more controlling seems to be pretty popular. And I'm curious to see what the next steps are. You know, with- yeah, I think I think it's been fun and Hammer is like sort of the aggressive side of that, right? Like they're trying to avoid the interaction and win quickly. Even though even in the sort of control metagame, that's been the one that's the deck that's done well still. Yeah. What are you expecting to see? Uh, at the top of the meta on day two? Probably, I would guess, Hammer, uh, some Amulet, and some kind of Omnath deck. And probably, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if some Ragavan decks were represented as well. Basically those four spots. So the only thing that surprises me there is Amulet. So do you think Amulet is, is kind of sneaky good? Yeah, I think, I think Amulet's pretty, pretty solid right now. Urza Saga, like, Urza Saga is really good in the deck, but it's not 
that reliant on Urza Saga, you can still win a lot of normal games. And I think that deck is, yeah, just kind of sneaky good. Cool. Yeah, so good luck the rest of today. I mean, you're, at a, you're in a good spot to make day two. And you're a good player, so I'm sure you will. And uh, we'll keep an eye on you tomorrow. And maybe if you keep doing well, we'll regroup and, and talk to you then. Sounds great. Thank Thanks, you Sam. so much. Take care. Sam's right. Interaction's back. Especially free interaction. Yeah. Is that really, is that how people wanted it? Do you think, you think they wanted the free interaction? Or you think some people did and some people didn't? Shane, did you yeah. record this interview with, with Sam after the top eight? No. Because those are some pretty prescient predictions. Yeah, I mean, Sam is a really good player, uh, and he definitely makes uh, reference to a deck that we might see do pretty well uh, the rest of the tournament. A deck with a certain card that all three of us would like to ban. <laughs> Not really ban. It rhymes with Slime it. Evil. Smitten. Smitten. To go back to your question, though, Shane, you know, I do think that people wanted Modern to be a bit more interactive in the way that Sam described as opposed to the two ships passing in the night kind of thing i do think that there are aspects of modern you know they didn't really slow the format down but they've created some cards that allow you to interact in that kind of drag race format that modern i think still is really it's still super snowball-y but you you have outs to it now decks can be built around being able to stop those kind of combos and so um you know i think that as far as making the format more interesting they probably did what they had to do with some of these cards to make that make that happen um but that's just my my take. Right on. What do you think, Stan? Like, are, what, I guess you I mean Stan, Sam played Elementals. The mm-hmm. Elementals deck is kind of, you know, the perhaps the one of the best examples of utilizing some free spells uh, to interact with the opponent and also just sort of control the game and turn huge corners. What do you think about this? What do you think about the way modern has become interactive via potentially free with uh, pitch spells? Well, the thing that I find perhaps most interesting about the nature of this cycle of creatures, especially, is that they are also threats. And they're like modal cards in so many ways where early on you might have to two-for-one yourself with something like Fury, not necessarily. You might be able to two-for-two or even two-for-three your opponent. But later in the game, they can actually be your win condition as well. So I think on the one hand, it's both what makes these cards so powerful and ubiquitous and such a force to be reckoned with in modern today. But I also think that's the thing that might actually make these cards resilient long-term as well until they're perhaps outclassed by other creatures that can help interact with whatever your opponents are doing in a very profitable, if not free way. That's scary. I think that maybe having access to these elementals is a actually a good long-term plan for casual spikes who intend to play this format for months or years to come. You all want to hear from another player that's a lot better than us? Absolutely. Always. Perfect. That's why we started the show. That's sure. a good point. Sure. I, let's hear from a good player, allegedly. Yeah, an adequate player. Let's, let's, let's hear. I'm here with Reed Duke, who I'm really hyped to talk to. Reed, if, you know, everyone, everyone knows your name. You're, you are a household name for Magic players, so I'm hyped to have you on the pod. Hyped to see you in Vegas. Are you enjoying being here so far? Yeah, yeah, it's been great. Um, you know, I've done zero traveling in the past right. handful of years, so it's awesome to be, uh, you know, doing something fun and out playing Magic again. Yeah. Have you been focusing on Modern, like, in your play, or what have you been playing the most lately? Yeah, I've been playing uh, a variety, and even for, for this weekend, there's the two main events, so I played a lot of Limited uh, with Crimson Vow, but... Because there's a Sealed, right? Uh, right, Sealed Deck Day 1 and Draft Day 2. Okay. So it's even one more format to prepare for, but... <laughs> 
I've been uh, splitting my time, and I have been enjoying modern. So, and I have a pretty good background in it. Uh, yeah, you know, just from 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 having played for years. Um, but yeah, I did definitely get a, a crash course and tried to make sure I, I would be sharp for this event. Yeah, I see you were on Yawgmoth today, which I'm. It's not totally surprising, but most people would probably equate you with a mid-range player. And there's a, a lot of pretty decent mid-range decks, I think, in the format right now, whether it's. Rakdos or Jun Saga. What made you choose Yawgmoth over anything like that? Well, to be honest with you, I originally um, tried Yawgmoth mostly just as something to write about, you know, to uh, for, for my, my column on yeah. Channel Fireball. Uh, but I loved it. You know, I had a great experience. The deck was both good and really fun. Yeah. Um, so I, I played it a bit more. It was the deck I, I think I had the deck. It was the deck I had the best results with. And then I also figured, you know, it's fun, it's different. Um, I'm not, you know, doesn't doesn't need Ragavans and Urza Sagas to be competitive. Uh, so, yeah, that's I decided to pull the trigger on it. I was pretty indecisive even up till this morning. Oh, yeah, what do you think lets you win with it? Um, well, it's the way the deck usually plays out is you mostly just spend the early turns developing, playing sure. out mana creatures and, and, and getting, you know, a wide board and a lot of resources to work with. And then when Yawgmoth hits the battlefield, a lot of people are prepared with, you know, removal spells or one answer or another. But even if you can't win the game on the spot, you usually generate so much value yeah. that it's easy to rebuild and you can just kind of, like, if you're willing to... To, to play hard and learn the deck and, and focus, like you, you can kind of just find ways to to get out of any any situation based on the power of of the Yogmoth, of Yogmoth as a card. For sure, I, I feel like you know you're a very even keeled person. I feel like you don't have a lot of hot takes. So what what about modern are you enjoying right now, and what do you think keeps you interested in the format? I feel like you're not the kind of person who'd be like, yeah, modern sucks right now. No, I mean, Modern is awesome, mostly because of the, like, basically infinite range of cards that you can play with. Um, it, like, you know, in Standard, it's sometimes the case that you've seen four or five decks and, and you've kind of seen them all. You know, people are changing sure. changing one, you know, a couple cards here and there. But Modern, it's like everybody in this room has brought, like, a very, very different strategy for winning the game. Fast, sure. slow, combo, beatdown, control, whatever it might be. And, uh, you know, that, that variety is kind of like what I think is special about magic. So modern, modern's a good spot and it's a, it's a great choice for an event like this. Yeah. Right. It's like the people's format in a lot of ways. Yeah. People I can think so too. Bring their favorite decks. Well, you are killing it with Yawgmoth. You're six Oh, that basically locks you for day two, right? That's right. So, uh, we will see you tomorrow. Hopefully you're going to keep, keep just this run off perfect record. You know, that's what we need <laughs> to see. And that's what we, that's what the people want to see from you. So we will keep tabs on your progress reed it's awesome to have you on the pod that will be coming up uh, this week and thanks again yeah thanks for inviting me wow so reed reed ended up going 11 and 3 came in 12th place 
Uh, Sam, unfortunately, did not make day two. But, yeah, Reed was right there on the edge to uh, to make a top eight again. Shane, you did it. You, you got a Hall of Fame player on the dive down. Yeah, I mean, all you got to do is ask. I mean, we had a judge call going on next to us, which was kind of hilarious. But uh, what I liked about talking to Reed is, you know, he's very thoughtful about his answers. And I think he really plays decks that he can get a lot of advantages with. And one thing I did like about his choice of Yawgmoth is, like you said, is like, as soon as I resolve a Yawgmoth, if I'm doing it in a position where it makes sense, I'm going to get so much value out of that card just by being able to sacrifice stuff that's on board, draw a bunch of cards. You can uh, kill creatures. Like I, when I played against, I played against Yawgmoth in a side event, and even if you're removing their Yog or something like that, they can typically do stuff like remove your small creatures with uh, the negative one, negative one counters. It's just a really powerful and good strategy and read. And I know there's another Yog player doing very well through day two as well. Really showcase the power of the deck yet again. Stan, so this is, that's, that's, that's the last interview I had from day one. Let's talk a little bit about how your day went. I did not day two. Oh no. I'm sorry. Uh, All of Shane's energy went to other people. And are you now living in a hotel in Juliet or something? Because you couldn't return to your family since that was the uh, the promise you made? I did make a public promise to my, my child that I would win for him. You know, fortunately, he doesn't know what's going on. He's three months he old. He doesn't speak English really he yet. He barely yeah. speaks English. I think he speaks Dutch. So... Yeah, fortunately, I was welcomed home, and he was very happy to see me. I did not make day two. I finished three and three. You know, the thing about this, these events is you need to go X2 to advance to day two. So once you get your third loss, you're out of day two contention. And when you have a 1,000 plus players playing at the same time, rounds go long, and there's a lot of, you know, injury time, so to speak. So in the interest of maximizing my time in Las Vegas, I knew that I was just going to drop out after X3, maybe do some side events, visit vendors, talk to people. I played two mirror matches. One was four-color rhinos. One was just team of rhinos. Um, I got to play against Carolyn Cavanaugh, which was awesome. She's incredible and a really cool person and really fun to play against. And she was one of my mirror matches as well. Another Denver local. That's right. Pro Tour player, founder of the VML. Um, I also got to play against Bogles, which I only bring that up just to say, like, that is what events like this are about for me, where you never know what you're going to play against, and someone's just going to show up with Bogles, all cards from four years ago, plus Luris. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. And that matchup actually had maybe some of my best plays of the day. By the way, Luris is a card from nearly two years ago at this point, just in case you've forgotten but anyway anyway my gosh it all seems like anything we did on this podcast feels like six months ago yesterday yep yeah so long story short although i didn't day two and maybe there are times where i didn't play quite as tightly as i could have i still don't regret pivoting to rhinos from murktide i don't think any of the matches that i lost were winnable on a different deck i think it was just another reminder that i still have room to grow as a player and as a competitor and i certainly have a lot of opportunities to learn about this deck in particular. It felt great for me. I continued to play it in side events the next day, and I did a league, a modern league, as soon as I got home on Sunday night, because I had nothing to do with Rhinos. Um, so yeah, I'm going I'm to continue to stick with it a bit, I think, maybe explore different builds of it, and see what happens with it in the weeks to come. Right on, man. Well, since you weren't able to make day two, when I was trying to actually play some magic, you took our rig and sat down or stood up with some folks on Saturday, mm -hmm. starting with Eli Loveman. 
It is Saturday, and I am standing here with Eli Loveman, Magic Pro Tour winner. Which Pro Tour did you win, Eli? Uh, War of the Spark. War of the Spark. Very cool. What was that format? Uh, modern and uh, War of the Spark draft. Right on. Right on. And are you playing in the Modern main event this weekend? I am battling in the Modern, yeah. And you're you're still on day two? Uh, my record is 10-2, and two, so I got to, I think, win the next two. Otherwise, I think uh, it won't be good enough, but yeah. Right on. Best of luck. What are you playing this weekend? Uh, I'm my weapon of choice is uh, hammer time. Okay. How did you settle on that one? Uh, it's just kind of in my wheelhouse. Uh, I, other creature strategies didn't really seem that viable, and uh, I have a lot of experience with infects and white weenie strategies, so it kind of was in my zone. Right on. Are you playing the Allurus version or the Crusherbot Swords version? Uh, I I thought I liked the look of that for Magic Online, but I think in an open tournament, I'd rather have Allurus for sure. What have you liked this weekend? Any other decks or strategies that you've been impressed by? Maybe things that have taken you by surprise. Well, I saw that Reed Duke was playing Yawgmoth, and that took me by surprise because that kind of you're not great against Rhinos because they have Trample, but you have a lot of resilient threats, and it's good versus the control decks. Kind of a good choice if you feel that you can make it into day two, where you might face more of those strategies. And I think that would be my second choice. Other than that, I Rhinos is always kind of solid. So those are kind of my three decks going in. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned your ten and two. What did you lose to? Uh, I took a loss to Burn because I didn't sideboard correctly against uh, their deflecting palms. Mm. And then blue white can be a tough matchup if you don't get a good start. For sure. What are you hoping to play against in the next few rounds today? Well, I haven't been playing a ton of modern so judging my from my experience just in the event i think the like john sagavan deck feels like a decent matchup not sure if that's true yeah <laughs> and then uh maybe a mirror match i feel like i i feel like i feel pretty in the zone in the mirror interesting what, what's your plan in the mirror uh you just kind of have to focus on shadow spear a lot because it's very easy to chump walk uh, a hammered creature. So just it's basically a race to Shadow Spear. Second after that is Seal of Cleansing plus Luris is kind of a kind of a lock. So those are the two things that matter the most. For sure. Um, you mentioned you don't play a lot of modern. What did you do to prepare for a weekend like this? Uh, well, the Innistrad, uh, I don't know, whatever you want to call it these days, Pro Tour or whatever is coming up. So I've been testing a lot of standard and historic, but I've always had kind of my ear to the ground for modern. So I saw that Hammer Time was a deck, and I saw, well, Igmoth Nexus, 2-2 two, two for 2, sign me up. Yeah, right on. What do you think about the general state of the format, either from your experiences playing this weekend or even, you know, whatever yeah. prep you did before the weekend? Uh, well, Modern Horizons 1 broke the format in kind of a vertical way, where there were, like, a few really bust cards, like Hogak and uh, Arkham's Astrolabe. Right, right, right. This set has kind of things... Are there a lot of broken cards, but they fit into a lot of different decks? Like, you can't play like a. Like, there's Asper Sentinel and Urza Saga for artifact strategies. There's Solitude and Fury for mid range strategies. There's Shardless Agent and Fire Ice for Cascade strategies. So, things are diverse, but, um. It's a lot. It's very powerful. If you're, if you're out here playing old cards, uh, you might. <laughs> that's not. That might not be a winning strategy. Definitely look to play one of those decks that's powered up by Modern Horizons 2. You do have a lot of options, but I would definitely focus on one of those decks. Right on. Um, very cool meeting you. I'm wishing you the best in this tournament. And uh, 
even if if you don't make the top eight, what were some of your highlights from this weekend? Uh, I have a, had a lot of uh, I had a lot of sick draws. Yeah, I had my opponent in round uh, nine was the victim of the uh, Thoughtseize bug, so I got I got a lot of I got a laugh out of that one. And no turn two kill, but plenty of turn three kills to go around. Listen, that's good enough for me. I won't complain. Yeah. All right. Eli Loveman, very nice meeting you. Thank you for being a part of this special episode of the Dive Down. Good luck in the tournament. Have a good day. Take care. Right on. (laughs) For sure. For sure. (laughs) We have Stan's new catchphrases. Uh, Who wants those on a shirt or a button? (laughs) Right on. For sure. Sure, sure. sure. Right on. For for sure. Sure, sure. Awesome to hear from Eli there. Uh, Dave, how how did he finish up, this former Pro Tour winner? 55th place. It's almost like good players that are good at Magic keep winning. You know what? This type of player, though, having the high-level success he had and being a 10 and 2 probably was a little disappointed with finishing in 55th. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe not maybe disappointed is not the word. You know, I just imagine that for people like that, they you know, they want the big prize. They've had it before. They know they can do it. They want to do it again. So it's a whole different level metric of success than the three of us have, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, on that note, clearly very friendly person. It was a privilege for me to chat with him, and I really enjoyed that time that he shared with me but when someone says to me you know i haven't really been playing a lot of modern but i'm 10 and 2 in this tournament <laughs> i'm ready to just turn around and walk away on the spot because i play modern <laughs> non-stop and i scrub out at three and three i wish i knew how their brain works that's what the that's what the next cycle of uh the dive down is about the brain of the competitors we also had another old friend of the pod that you found on the floor stan that's right we had a real genuine in the flesh scientist was he doing shadowy science again it was some kind of dark magic that's for sure all right stan here it is saturday and i've bumped into none other than previous guest michael rapp the shadow scientist how's it going it's going great last time you spoke to my co-host dave we've never met before it's so nice to bump into you in person yeah nice to meet you have you been playing modern this weekend yeah i played the main event yesterday um, I played Shadow. Things didn't really break my way. Um, ended up missing it. Ended up missing day two. Okay. Hey, me too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which version of Shadow did you play? Grixis. What did, What did you like about Grixis right now in particular? I think that having access to counter spells plus a clock is important, which led me to either Shadow or Murktide. But I think Murktide is significantly weaker to the solid two decks than Shadow is. For sure. What do you like about the format right now in general outside of Shadow? Do you think Modern's in a healthy place? Do you think think MH2 has contributed to format health at all? Yeah, I think Modern is among the healthiest it's been in a number of years. There's several distinct, very different archetypes that all have different game plans, but it doesn't feel like any deck is dominant, and it feels like the best deck kind of floats around every, you know, week or two. Mm -hmm. What went wrong for you yesterday, do you think, that uh, cut you out of day two? Um, I aimed at a fairly specific metagame, and I didn't really play against a lot of that. What were you aiming towards? So I wanted to play against Hammer, the Cascade decks, and the Solitude decks, which I think covers a lot of the... and the other Lurus decks. Uh, covers a lot of the, the best decks in the format right now. I ended up playing against some more Rogue decks, some... Lesser but still good decks, uh, like less less popular but still good decks, like Yogmoth. Mm-hmm. Um, I took a loss to Yogmoth. Were you? Um, did you play against Reed? No, actually. Yeah. <laughs> there was a there's a few Yogmoth players in the room from what I saw. Very cool. Is Yogmoth a tough matchup for Shadow? I actually don't 
think it's that bad. Um, you have three main deck dress downs, really, really good against Yawgmoth. Yeah. You have somewhere between eight and ten ways to kill a Yawgmoth. So, as long as you find one of those to get the Yawgmoth off the table, you shouldn't really have a big problem. If you draw a Ragavan heavy hand, cards like Young Wolf kind of stonewall you, so Matt, games that play out like that can be tough. So you're, as a shadow scientist, I imagine you're always learning. You're always figuring out how to play shadow. A difficult deck that has so many decision trees, because it's like sometimes you're playing mid-range, sometimes you're playing tempo with an early threat, especially with monkey nowadays. Other times you have to decide into a controlling plan. What do you think you learned from your experiences yesterday that might contribute to yourself as a scientist or other shadow players who like the deck right now? So one thing about yesterday is it is hard to metagame for a specific metagame in modern. You can kind of build towards that, but you still have to be able to beat the decks that are outside of that bandwidth. I think it's always important to have a well-rounded deck, which is one of the things that I like about Shadow. You have cards like Drown in the Lock, which are good where you need stack-based interaction, but also not dead like Counterspell would be. Um, and it's always important to try to learn and find new tech. Uh, like yesterday, I played two, two copies of Turok Dreadcanter in my sideboard. Uh, primarily for the Solitude decks. Sure. Because those decks often have to go card negative in order to free cast their elementals. Not only does Torak have pro-white, but it punishes them for having low card count in hand anyway. And if they kill it with a Fury or something like that, you can always bring it back with Lurus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very cool. This is awesome. Thank you so much. I know you're playing in a two-headed giant event today. Yep. Is that sealed? Yeah, two out of giant team. How are you doing in that right now? Uh, my team is two now. Oh, heck yeah. How many rounds? Three. Oh, you can cash <laughs> out already. Yeah. Gonna play the last one, though. What's good on the prize wall that you're playing for? Uh, I don't know if it's still there, but the giant rag van is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. uh, the giant dragon raid channeler is pretty cool. Other than that, I haven't taken a look at a ton of stuff, but there's some cool packs up there. There's like Modern Horizons 2 packs. Um, some various other master set packs. So we'll see how it breaks out. Last question for the day. How do you feel being back at a GP level magic event like this? Oh, is? I was so excited for weeks leading up to this. It's been a great time. Like, even though I didn't day two yesterday, I've still had an excellent time this weekend. It's really, it's hard to have a bad time playing magic. Uh, so being back in this environment has been so fun. Yeah. Totally agreed. It feels safe. Everyone's so nice. And you know what? Most of all, I'm glad I finally got to meet you. I'm a big fan of your work. I love playing Shadow myself. So thank you again for being back on the dive down. I appreciate it. Thank you. Good luck with the rest of your weekend. Thanks. You too. Good to have Michael Rapp back. More science. More science. I love that two years went have gone by and Shadow is a good choice still at this point And Michael is still out there repping it. Yeah, absolutely. I was standing right under a speaker. That's why a couple times in that interview, you could hear people announcing events from the floor. But I think it still sounded all right. Meet at the red meeting point. <laughs> Innistrad Crimson Vow, draft 17. <laughs> <laughs> well... Uh, it was nice to talk to all these people who you know played in the event and, and did pretty well, or you know, or they, or didn't, and we just got to catch up with them after their adventures in the last two years. But I happened to talk to 
the top seed after all of day two was done. I uh, I randomly just sort of I, I saw this group of people sort of cheering and being happy because he was able to ID, and so I just snagged. Joel LaPrey, who had brought an old modern favorite that hadn't seen play really in some time. And so let's hear what he had to say. I'm here with Joel. What's your last name, Joel? My last name's LaPrey. LaPrey. And you just made top eight. I did. It's crazy. Awesome. Is this, uh, is this your first top eight? Yeah, this is actually my first big event ever. Congratulations. Yeah. This is why we love modern. Yeah, no, I'm excited. It's modern's great right now. And it was fun to come and be able to do this. Awesome. Where are you in from? I'm from Idaho. Idaho, awesome. So we, we made a nine-hour drive on Thursday to come down and play for this weekend. Okay. What are you on this weekend? I'm playing Hardened Scales. What? Yeah. Yes. It's some tech from the past. I love it. So what are you doing like with uh, the new like Zubaz and stuff like that? So yeah, so it has Zubaz. I'm playing green-white scales. Okay. So I'm playing Fours as Sagas and then Ingenious Smith as well. Okay. I brought in. I chose green white because I thought Ingenious Smith would be really powerful in the control meta. Yeah, and I was right. It was the card advantage yeah. versus that in the Luris decks has been crazy. Yeah, there's a lot of control at the tables. Yeah, so it, that was one of the one of the best cards this weekend for me. That's great. Um, what has your experience been like? Are you just rolling people over, or are you having to like really grind things out? Um, I've had a few grinding matchups, but I think nine of my match of matchups have been two O's. Wow. I've been able to just kind of cruise, like ha- I've just cruised over Hammer and Luris decks pretty easily. What do you think about the deck and how you're playing it? Lets you do that. Um, I think Hardened Scales has a ton of utility, and so when you're able to know all the interactions in Modern and what's best playing versus what deck, it's a fun toolbox that really gives you an opportunity to succeed no matter what matchup it is. Sure. What kind of things make the make the toolbox work? Like, what kind of pieces? I mean, you've got pieces like Walking Ballista, Hangerback Walker, and Arcbound Ravager that all on their own are just big threats. If they're left yeah. unchecked, those each of those cards can win you the game alone. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. A lot of counters on those will, will go a long way to, to a victory. Sure. And so you probably have top seed going into the top eight. Yep. What... If anything, I'm sure you know what the other people at the top tables are playing. What what are you afraid of and what are you hoping to face? I think I'm most afraid of probably two different decks. Combo like Belcher yeah. is a tough one. I have to kind of cheese them with Pithing Needle. Or the other one I'm worried about is Amulet Titan, but specifically Amulet Titan that's playing Karn. Yeah. Uh, when they have Karn, it becomes a really difficult match for me. And the- that's ac- my only loss this weekend was to Amulet Titan Karn. Yeah. There's a couple Amulet players doing really well this weekend. I think you'll probably see one or two of them in the top eight, right? Yeah. It looks like there's going to be one. So. Oh, yeah. Whew. Well, I hope you do not face them. Maybe they're on the other side of the well, bracket. I, or- I just hope they're not playing Karn. Yeah, that too. They're not always playing Karn. I, I beat Titan also this weekend, but they weren't playing Karn and the matchup was fine for me. Okay. That's great. So for people who have been into scales in the past or curious about it, maybe put it down because they're not seeing a ton of results right now, what would you say to them? You know, I think it's a good deck to play right now. It's hard because Hammer's so popular, so Artifact Hate is popular. Yeah. Um, but I think that if you really practice the deck, you could be successful with it no matter no matter where you're playing you just need you just need to master it and really sure. understand the interactions and the format yeah have you been playing a lot of magic online or yeah i've been playing some mtgo uh t- for practice for sure. just hardened scales 
Uh, it's a good, actually, budget option for a rental deck on MTGO. Yeah. It's so less than 400 ticks. So. Yeah, so you get on any, any tier of subscriptions. Yeah, just, just like the second the second tier, you can just get it. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's like 250 ticks total, I think, for the rental, which is really nice. Yeah, what's your Magic Online name, if you're comfortable sharing it, so people can look for you? Uh, it's Bugiardo007. Okay. It's an Italian word. Yeah, we'll keep... We'll keep Bugiardo007 our... is okay. how it would read. We'll, we'll keep our eyes peeled uh, when we look at the results in the future on the dive down. And thanks a ton for your time, and good luck. Yeah, no, thank you. It's been good. Take care. Bye. Hardened scales. Modern is perfect. It's a perfect format. The first large event... In two-ish years, in modern. Top seed. Hardened scales. Top seed, hardened scales. Top seed is hardened scales. <laughs> wow. At like 13 and 1 or whatever, whatever he I was. I think it was like, yeah, uh, he ID'd the last round. So was that 13-1-1 oh, okay. one one or 12-1-1? One one? Yeah, one of those two. Yeah, so. Amazing. Ingenious Smith putting in some work, he said, against the decks with interaction, like uh, the, the Luris decks especially, he said. So, I mean, Ingenious Smith. Some people are swearing by it in Hammer. He's swearing by it in Selesnia Scales. I mean, card searching can be good, right? Certain metagames, like he said, he had a plan for why he was playing it. He understood what it was doing there. You know, it also means that he recognizes metagames where this deck and also this card might might not be particularly good. So that's, that's cool to hear. I uh, love when people kind of do well with something that they've invested that kind of thinking into. Right on. For sure. <laughs> right on, for sure. So let's talk about this top eight, since we, we know what Joel was on in the top seed. His Selesnia scales build with a, it looks like a, it was a red splash a little bit for like the Zabaz activated abilities. I mean, potentially making Prismatic ending a little bit better. Uh, and with that ingenious Smith tech in the main, made a lot of sense. But this the rest of this top eight was potentially equally surprising, if not equally awesome. Uh, second seed... I believe, was Jeff Zhao on Saltai Infect. And, I'm sorry? Yes. Uh, Infect, my friend. Saltai Infect. Uh, so it looks like there was basically a black splash <laughs> to uh, play Phyrexian Crusader, which has protection from white and protection from red. Seems like a good idea in this meta. I mean, who of the interviews earlier mentioned that they thought Phyrexian Crusader was well-positioned right now? Was that... Uh... I forget. I think Sam Pardee mentioned something about it. it but. Sam Pardee, yeah, mentioning that they were good against against Solitude and Fury. Guess what? I think that's true. It's the same reason that people are playing Turok. It's just got extra, another extra line of protection. Yeah. Solitude, Fury, Unholy Heat, Fire Ice, good old-fashioned Lightning Bolt. Yeah. Like, Prismatic ending. Basically isn't a card right now. So protection from red and white really just takes care of practically every removal spell in the format it feels like yeah yeah teferi can't even bounce it right like like That's brazen right. borrower has to has to tag this thing back to hand with petty theft yeah and the uh, drown in the lock out of grix's shadow or something like that or the grix's piles yeah i mean the, the sideboard i like this one i mean besides the frex and crusader it looked a lot like kind of classic uh simic infect the sideboard had a lot of newer cards however four endurance four force of vigor three gem razor which is one of those uh like what evolve card mutate cards mutate which like does a what, like a disenchant disenchant infect effect mm -hmm. yeah so i guess why not but awesome yeah awesome all right what else is in here levi sprung 
on Amulet Titan. So this is the, this is uh, where another one of Sam's predictions come true, comes true rather. Uh, this is the Karn the Great Creator version, which Joel mentioned he was not looking forward to facing down. Uh, it's essentially Amulet Titan. Got a couple cavern main, one in the side, along with some other land and artifact tutor options for the Karn the Great Creator package. And then right after Levi was Andy Wilson, also on Amulet. Really similar build to Levi's. This one had three cavern main. We know we've been hearing uh, from Zach just last week about how cavern and amulet makes a lot of sense due to all the control running around out there. Uh, he had some slightly different sideboard options, did Andy. Fifth seed, Nathan Stoyer. I feel like we were just talking about this person in some way, shape, or form. Well-known magic online grinder at this point, kind of... I believe one of the people that people refer to as the Zoomers. Uh, they were on Zoomer Jund, Jund Saga. Looks like Jund Saga to me in the deck list. Up next after Nathan was Edwin Coloran on Rakdos Luris, Rakdos Kroxa, basically Spike's deck uh, of like the Rakdos Rock deck. He chose to have no Void Mirrors in the side. Instead was running a couple Shattering Sprees, which seems to make sense if you're expecting a lot of Hammer. Up next after that was Ivan Espinoza on Four Color Control. It's a bunch of good cards. And then last but not least, we have Steven Perlman on Indomitable Creativity. So we got we have uh, Indomitable Creativity. I wouldn't really know what a stock version of this deck looks like, uh, but I think we might hear, be hearing more from Steven in just a little bit. Ooh, is that a tease? Just It's what we call it in the viz. What do we think about this top eight? Two Amulet? two kind of rockish decks and then four kind of decks on their own let's say is that right yeah i mean so when shane and i spoke on friday morning and you heard i was saying something to the tune of so many players this is the type of environment where a deck can take us by surprise and what i was not anticipating is that five decks would take us by surprise most of the decks in the top eight were kind of surprising, right? Yeah. In some way. Yeah, in some way. So, I mean, I think that makes this version of Modern a great success. I think we would have been pretty bored if the finals was blue-white control versus money pile. You know what I mean? But the fact that scales can make it into the top eight, as well as infect, um, even even uh, Indominal Creativity, which is a deck that, you know, Mana Symbol loves, it's... Uh, proving itself in modern challenges. And I think it's starting to get slowly more popular knowing that you don't have to play Omnath and pitch elementals to be successful in this format, I think is probably a positive And I think is a really encouraging signal to people who may be keeping their eyes on the results from this event. Yeah. Like I feel if you had asked anybody, including us, like what are the decks you expect to see in the top eight? Many of them aren't here. There's no Azorius Control. There's no no Murktide, no Hammer, no Rhinos. Uh, and, and we see these decks instead, and that's that's awesome. It just show, goes to show again that Modern's wide open. Yeah, I would note that a number, you know, we talked about a lot of people who you interviewed who finished strong with some of the more on-meta decks, right? You know, Reed came in 12th with Yawgmoth. I saw that um, a player who's well-known from SCG, Mason Clark, came in ninth place with fourth color control as well. So, you know, as I saw results coming in over Twitter, I think you see some of the more quote-unquote magic online, quote-unquote, like expected meta appear in a more concentrated way. And so I hope, like, again, I said, I hope that a uh, 
Channel Fireball puts these uh, these results out somewhere for us to look at later, uh, and we, so we can really get a picture of how different it is. But from the top down, it looks like there were a number of decks that kind of cut through the meta by being novel, older strategies that were well-tuned and well-timed for this particular weekend. And, of course, a little bit of good luck. But like you said, Stan, when there's 1,400 decks that start out on something like this, you're going to have random interesting things happen. Yeah, I'm hyped. I'm glad this was the top eight. And so let's just talk about these players that ended up finishing up. We had uh, tournament winner Edwin Colleran on Black Red Croxa, a.k.a. Rakdos Rock. Second place was Steven Perlman on Indomitable Creativity, made it all the way to the finals. Uh, third and fourth place finishers were in, this, in the semis were Jeff Zhao on Salta Infect and Nathan Stoyer on Jun Saga. And then our quarter finalists were uh, Joel Lepre on Scales, Ivan Espinoza on Four Color Control, and then our two Amulet Titan players, Levi Sprung and Andy Wilson. And Black Red won. Black Red won. What do you know? I mm. mean, just the the flexible, powerful <laughs> hand interaction deck with some of the best creatures in the format. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Croxa is a heck of a card. Yeah, and I suspect Stephen Perlman was probably probably frustrated to be paired against Black Red in the finals there because that's you know, as we pointed out in previous episodes, considered a very poor matchup for the creativity deck in particular. Yeah, yeah. I remember Zach uh, talking about that a lot, or Zach Ryle talking about that when he was on a couple weeks ago, for sure. Well, let's button this one up with a couple conversations with two more people from the top eight. I first was able to talk to Levi, who went to the quarters on Amulet Titan. Here on Sunday, day three, I guess it's day three of the tournament, but the main event of Modern ended yesterday, and I am here with one of the top eight competitors introduce yourself to the listeners hi my name is uh levi sprung uh i'm 18 years old um i've been playing magic competitively for a bit over a year i started online and over a year yeah oh my gosh and now uh, this is my first paper tournament and i uh top eight and i happen to get top eight and i'm pretty happy about it yeah what were you playing i was playing uh amulet titan with uh cop uh, with karn the great creator yeah uh yeah Awesome. Have you been playing Amulet a lot? Yeah, it was the first deck that I bought online, and uh, it, in turn, is the deck that I had those, the most reps with, which is pretty much why I played the deck uh, here at Vegas. What about Amulet do you think uh, is draws you to it? Um, well, a few things. Uh, I really like the toolbox element. Like, yeah. you're searching your deck for a lot of lands, and uh, figuring out which ones to get is pretty cool. Um, also, like, land drop sequencing is kind of nice. And the final thing that, like, it's kind of more recently, I think Urza Saga is a very, very good magic card, and getting to play that card is super nice. Yeah, 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 it's a good one. I've been playing some Hammer this weekend, and every time Urza Saga works, it's like, yeah, this is, this is a perfect card. Yep, yep. Uh, so have you been playing Modern primarily since you got into Magic, or all sorts of different formats? Um, I've been playing, I've probably put the most amount of time into Modern. Um, I've tried to do, like, some amount of Legacy, some amount of Limited, and then like a very, very small amount of other formats. But Modern is probably the format that I've spent the most amount of time on and the format that I know the most about. So what's drawing you to Magic in general? So you've only been playing for a year. So what about Magic have you really found appealing? Well, I learned how to play the game a while ago, and I played casually for a while. But this, but like uh, when the pandemic started, I just like wanted something to do with my time. And I just like enjoyed it a lot. I like the competition. I like... Um, 
trying to figure out what the best plays are and um it's just really it's just really fun to compete uh in the weekends yeah right so tell me about your tournament what was your your day one like your Mm -hmm. day two like like what kind of decks were you afraid to face and happy to face Uh uh-huh um so day one um i started at 6-0 and then lost the last two matches of day one um I played against like in the first six rounds. I played against like five pretty off the walls decks, and then really? burn. Like I played against like spirits, soul herder, um, bluetron, hardened scales, go- goblins. Yeah, I'm sure ha- hardened scales was not happy to see Karn the Great Creator. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And the goblins match was kind of tough. Like it came down to a very to to a few very close decisions from my opponent, and it just gave me like the outs. Uh, it just gave me more outs to draw the win, and I was like very behind on board and i just like drew a top land and then played a titan with two amulets in play and just attack for 20 <laughs> and then so heading into day two you were six and two yeah so probably not feeling awesome about losing those last two yeah but then how day two go for you day two i paired into green tron and then um after that uh i jun sacrifice very good matchup game one they had some good sideboard tools but I managed to get lucky enough game three to take the match. And then um, I play against Rhinos, and that was a very, very grindy match. Um, there were a few like mistakes on my part that could have cost me, but it ended up coming out in my favor. And then um, I played against uh, Green Black Yogmoth, which went pretty well. Yeah. My opponent, game three, had uh, had uh, turn two Necromentia lined up. Oh, yeah. And, but I top decked a second amulet on turn two to cast a turn two Titan and kill. Um, <laughs> That'll do it. Yep. Then I played against Grixis Death Shadow and then um, 1 2 0. And then last match was against Reduke in the feature match area. He was also on Green Black Yogmoth. Yeah. And I went 2 0. And that probably felt pretty good. Yeah. 18 felt, years old. Yep. <laughs> it felt great. And game two, he had an Ashiok Dream Render. Um, but I just played Karn and got Ballista and just couldn't deal with it. Yeah, I mean, that's what's so good about Karn, right? Is yeah. the toolbox element, being mm-hmm. able to get all that stuff out of the side. So, yeah. you know, you're someone who's, you know, like you said, you're fairly new to Magic. Yeah. What about Modern specifically are you enjoying right now? Something that I like about Modern is that I think that um, while deck selection is, like, fairly important in some events, I think that the most the way that you can get the most edge is by knowing your deck yeah. And knowing its matchups. That is something that I really like about Modern, especially given that there are so many viable decks in the format. Yeah. And just having to know like how your deck needs to play against each of the other decks, I think is very important in Modern. Okay, like so that. Exactly, I agree. That's what that's one reason that we really liked it on the podcast lately, is just it's it's a skill format as mm-hmm. well as being pretty wide open. Yeah. So you beat you beat Reed to make top eight. Yeah. That has to feel amazing. Yeah. For uh, sure. And so you head in the top eight. And what happens there? So in top eight, I'm against uh, Red Black Luris, um, and they game one. Um, they uh, I have a very tight decision. I'm on the play because I'm higher seated. I have a very tight decision on turn two, whether to go Azusa into Karn on turn two, uh, leaving an amulet and uh, a colorless land in play after I'm home plays turn one Ragavan. Or I can go dry and play two more lands and have three lands and play with Karn in hand. Okay. And ready to go Karn for seven Karn for like Two, four, six, eight, uh, nine, ten, eleven mana. So Karn with uh, seven mana up the following turn. 
Um, but they, they ended up having, having thoughts used for my card and yeah. they flip croaks off DRC. So that's just like very, very <laughs> fast pressure. And I didn't draw out of it in time sure. to take the game. Game two is a pretty grindy match, but I ended up getting out, get, coming out on top because my late game was just better than, better than theirs. Game three, they were stuck on two lands. They had a Dothy Voidwalker and a Turok in play. Oh, wow. And I was working towards, um, a turn for Karn, turn five Titan after they thought season my one piece of, um, of acceleration or, and then they drew a thought seize to thought season my Titan, sack the Voidwalker, make a six, six. And that was, it for me. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. That'll work. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's too bad that you, uh, you know, losing in the quarters is still really amazing yeah. for your first paper magic tournament for being a new player. Thank you. I'm sure we'll hear about you in the future. If people want to interact with you online, are you on Twitter or anything like that? Or, my Twitter is at sprung, S-P-R-U-N-G, Levi. And then I occasionally stream on Twitch at Leviathan102. That's also my Moto handle. I play a lot of Moto. Got it. And um, if I stream, I usually post that to my Twitter. So if you want to hear about that, you can just follow me on Twitter. Sweet. Well, we will definitely keep our eye out for Leviathan102 on Magic Online. We're always watching those results. Congratulations again on making top eight. I'm sure we'll hear uh, your name in the future. And I'll see you back in Colorado, my friend. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Well, should we just quit or what? 18 years old, first paper magic tournament, top eight after playing MTG for a month. Beats, beats Reduke. Not a month, a year. Yeah, a a year. year. A year, thank you. Be, you know, defeating Reduke and, you know, to, for your win and end of the top eight seems okay. Seems fun, Shannon. You're, what happened in your your first paper magic tournament? I don't remember. You forgot to cast. You forgot to cast uh, Stormbreath Dragon. Stormbreath Dragon pre combat, yeah, if I remember okay. right. Do you think Levi would do that? I I, I don't think so. You know, okay. <laughs> I I I was saying how I think Le, Levi wrote a tournament report that we retweeted today, and I I'm guessing that he didn't take any notes. I'm guessing he just remembered all of it because that's the kind of trap brain this kid seems to have. And I'm sure we're going to hear about him in the future. All right. Well, we got to close this out or Tanner is going to get us. Yeah. So got one more. Uh, let's, we got one more interview to play. Let's, let's roll it. I'm here with Steve Perlman, finals finisher with Indominal Creativity, right? Indeed. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. That's a deck I feel people are paying more attention to. I hope so. Is that something that you've been playing a lot of? Uh, oddly enough, no. Uh, I played... About four or five leagues uh, when the Velomachus version was popular. Yeah. I tried Velomachus. I tried the splits of Velomachus and Rockle. I tried Double and Rockle. Uh, I was actually very much not sold on Emissary and Rockle. Anyway, I had like four or five, four ones with it. I, I never Fido'd on Moto with it. And I kind of put it down. And blue white control started becoming really prevalent. And then I started playing a bunch of blue white control. And my opponents kept timing out on Moto, which scared me because I thought I would get unintentional draws. Uh, but I've been a big combo player and a big control player. And my buddy Ting, who's been on the tour a bunch, has been playing creativity for the past few months. Uh, I played him with control and he smashed me, which I didn't think was going to happen. And then I started going through decks. And I really liked that I kind of could play my control deck, but with an I win button. And I was deciding between creativity and Black Red Loris, oddly yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah, Because I thought Torok and Voidwalker were extremely well-positioned. Uh, ended up deciding with creativity. Ended up playing Black Red in the finals. <laughs> uh, so both, I think, would have been good choices. But uh, the deck's really powerful. Yeah. And people don't have a lot of experience against it. That's important. Um, it has a lot of lines. Like, I probably won a lot of games where people thought there was absolutely no way I was going to win. 
like you can call your way out of anywhere like a to get my 8-0 on day one i played against yag the last round multi four against their seven oh man and ended up winning like the deck like ren and six is a is a hell of a card (laughs) teferi is a hell of a card and the difference between all the other ren and six and teferi decks and creativity is you know they're they're playing the value game for the most part with the exception of bring to light scape shift but I, i believe their plan like while dryad's a good plan it's a slower plan and like creativity is just a lot faster and sometimes you need those like oops i wins fast hands yes exactly and uh yeah, I love the deck, and I, I'm going to play more of it, and I hope it sees more play. Awesome. Have you been playing primarily modern lately? Uh, yeah. So I used to be more of a limited specialist. Okay. Uh, I took like a seven or eight year break from Magic. Sure. And got back in within the past few years. Uh, but as of the past year or so, I've been playing primarily modern. Awesome. And uh, what makes you into modern right now? I like the power level. Yeah, it, it's bittersweet. Because there's so many decks you can play against, yeah. and you can play, which is super fun and interesting in like an eternal format, you know, legacy sort of way. Uh, at the same time, it's kind of hard because you have to hedge against so many different decks, and uh, I'm uncomfortable knowing that I'm going to go into a match and likely lose. And creativity is one of those decks where, like, burn is by far your worst matchup by okay. like a very, very wide margin. Sure, but with the exception of burn, uh, you know, I felt like I could beat everything, and. Uh, I love once I find that deck in modern, like it's just it's a hell of a ride. Yeah, because you get to play against so many different decks. The matchups are super interesting. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a hell of a time. Yeah. So if people you know listening to this pod, they're like, well, I've heard about creativity. You guys have talked about creativity. We've seen it kind of creeping up. What are kind of the first tips, the biggest tips that you think people could use to level up their game with creativity? Hmm. I know it's a complex deck. That's probably a tough question. It is. So like. You know, when you play against it and you lose and they just nut draw you, it looks like it's like a very straightforward, you know, just get creativity, slam it and win. Uh, Most of the games do not go that way. Uh, You need to identify, do I need to cast creativity quickly? Like, do I need, like, like, what is my game plan? Because in in every matchup, like, I have a fundamentally different game plan. So, like, for example, if you're inexperienced against playing against Rock, um, you're probably going to lose, even though that's a relatively favored matchup. Because, like, like, like when I play against that sort of a deck, my plan is to keep their board under control, get us into a top deck war, and hopefully win the top deck war because you have better top decks. You know, against a deck like Tron, Green Tron, which is not a favorable matchup, I'm going to mull very aggressively to try to creativity very quickly. Yeah. You know, against Hammer, um, you know, I, I want to try to get an emissary, but I don't need to creativity very quickly. I can try and just control their board. I don't need to interact unless they force me to interact. Because, um, like, what, if, if you're just keeping mana up and you're playing a kind of a control game, like, th- your opponent's very afraid. It's like, they know you can win out of anywhere. And, like, I try to force my opponents to make the decisions that I want them to make and in, instead of just, like, forcing my hand. Because that, like, plays into potentially what they want me to do a lot. Uh, like, one of the other big things is, like, knowing when... Like, sometimes you have to creativity in a non-intuitive way. Yeah. So, like, for example, I was just watching my buddy play against Hammer, and he was very unlucky. You know, he drew both Emrakul, both Emissary. His opponent drew, like, an absolute god and was playing well. <laughs> and the situation looked entirely unwinnable. Yeah. Um, but he had three fairy in the board, creativity in hand. And so, for example, you know, he can plus the Teferi, have his opponent try to do their thing, 
Indomitable Creativity, their hammers or their creatures, when they go to attack, yeah. delay until you can get the seventh land and, like, hard cast Emissary. Or, like, a, a, on that note, another thing is, you know, you don't have to cast Creativity to win. Uh, sure. I think a, at least a third of my games that I won, I never cast Indomitable Creativity. Wow. Uh, you know, I won with Planeswalkers. I won with Dwarven Mind Beats. Uh, hard casting Sarah's Emissary. And in a similar line, like, sometimes you need to know, like, do I need to creativity for two or one? And it's not always clear, especially if you're playing against uh, Omnap Control, for example, or certain decks where you get behind. And, uh, you know, it feels really bad to jam that creativity because, you know, they probably have the solitude or they may have the verdict. But, um, you know, sometimes you have to jam and sometimes you really need to understand, like, you know, can I wait? And patience is really key. Yeah, uh, especially with Prismari Command, for example. You know, like if you're playing against Rock, sometimes you really, really want to filter through to get to where you need so you can slam the creativity. But it's also it's like if you use that Prismari Command and you're now you're drawing the cards, but you don't draw what you need. And then they get, you know, they discard you at the wrong time. And it's like your game plan kind of falls apart. And uh, timing and patience is key. Experience is key. Yeah. Uh, I, it, it's really helpful to have a lot of reps on the deck. No, that makes sense for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, Congratulations on the Thank finals you. finish. Uh, that's an awesome experience. This is a huge tournament. The first modern yeah. paper tournament we've big one we've had in a long time. So yeah. <laughs> it's probably awesome, probably a great feeling. For uh, sure. Thanks it was for a hell of an experience. Thanks for coming on the pod. And uh, I'm sure we'll be seeing your name in the future. I hope so. Hey, thanks again. Right. Thanks, man. Wow. The language on this guy. H E double hockey sticks. Got a heck of a mouth. <laughs> no, it was awesome to talk to uh, Stephen. It's uh, you know to look into the mind of someone who's doing really well with a pretty tough and intricate deck that is not just a combo deck. That's right. It's also a control deck. He won games with Dwarven Mind beats. I Dwarven mean, Mind makes one ones. It's even slower than Snapcaster beats. It's incredible. Really impressive. Shane, good job. Yeah. Great interviews. Hey, whew, that was. It was. It was a lot, but it was fun. It was really, it's a novel experience. You know, if you've made it this far, try to let us know what you thought about this format. It's definitely not something we can do very often, but let us know if you want us to try to do it again in the future, if we've got paper events, because it, it was a lot of fun. Maybe we can just follow Reed Duke around. Yeah, just with a microphone. Just hey, yeah, Reed, like Reed. travel to magic tournaments, like people used to travel to Grateful Dead concerts. <laughs> just sell t-shirts in the parking lot to pay for our... For, pay for our trips we can uh we can do we can do the uh the the recording what are they called those tapes the tape bootlegs. traders the bootlegs the bootleg traders we can just be we can just bootleg gps well two minutes let's let's do 15 second takes uh what do you feel about modern and what do you think about the format right now dave you are not there as a person on the outside looking in i'd love to hear you answer first uh i think that I can't wait to just try out a couple of these weird decks from the top eight. Maybe fire up some scales or some infect and see what happens in some leagues. They seem like the kind of kind of stuff that I would be into at different points in time. I would love to play the the winning deck, but I feel like that deck is going to be all over Magic Online for the next couple of weeks. It already was because of uh, Everett's recent success of the deck, so I'm pro I'd probably stay away from from that one. Uh, I'm not too interested in looking in on Belcher or any of the combo lists, so I think that it just depends on on that kind of uh, where would I I would probably put my effort in something more aggressive and, and fun and kind of off meta love to see what the rest of the, the meta looks like. So again, channel fireball, if you're listening, I know you're collating those deck lists. I know you are. Let's see what happens. 
Yeah, I wish we could see the day two meta. Like we didn't really have any data to work with, so that's why we only focused on the top eight. Um, my my five seconds. I think I think modern's great. You get two seconds. You know, Dave, if you're worried about this red black rock deck, you know what I think is a very good matchup: Team of Rhinos. Oh, it is. It actually, well, it is. I mean, you can kind of get through it with some discard spells, but um, they they usually get you generally. Yeah, sometimes just they'll top deck a violent outburst, and that's it. That's it. Totally. So you know, it's eleven twenty-two, November twenty-second. The MTG Store Championships are happening in like three weeks. And a lot of stores are doing modern events. So there is another competitive REL modern event that a lot of our listeners can play in in a few weeks. Okay? Safely. Yes, safely, ideally. Um, Almost like a little SCG regionals, but WotC promoted with a lot of sweet promos. The reason I bring this up is because three weeks is a lot of time to practice a deck, get to know the format, and maybe come up with a plan for what you want to do if you want to compete in an event like that. I almost wonder whether the best approach for that type of environment is not to figure out how to play Red Black Rock or how to play, you know, Merc Tide or Blue White Control, but rather find something that people aren't expecting, like an Infect or um, an Indominal Creativity or a Hardened Scales, and get really good at that and know your matchup against the top of the meta with something like that to take people by surprise with a very proactive strategy. And maybe this tournament is evidence of the potential for that type of strategic approach where maybe you know what the problematic cards are and you play something like, not exactly, but as a hypothetical example, Phyrexian Crusader that has protection from what the top of the meta is usually doing. And, you know, maybe there's a lot of opportunity right now to juke the meta game because of how powerful and established so many of these top decks are. That's an astute 15-second take on Modern, Stan. I appreciate it. Uh, I do want to thank uh, all the people who took the time out of their day to talk to me, talk to Stan, made this episode what it was. We appreciate all of you. Thanks to the patrons who hung out with us. You made the weekend uh, a lot better than just showing up and playing some cards. So thanks again. Yeah, all the friendly faces that we got to meet at the event, people who came up to us to say that they liked our show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It was my first time in Vegas. I'll never forget it. I'll go back. Maybe next time I'll go home with more money than I showed up with. Video poker, anyone? But that does wrap up this week's show. If you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you get the latest episodes as soon as they come out. And if you use Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and review. If you'd like to submit a question to our podcast, you can tweet us at the dive down, all one word, or email the dive down at gmail.com. You can also leave an audio message that could appear on a future episode over at podinbox.com slash the dive down. If you'd like to support the show, you can join our Patreon. We're joining at any tier, gets you access to our indubitably discreet Discord Dominion. Find that over at patreon.com slash the dive down. Shout out to Manatraders.com for sponsoring our podcast. If you sign up for Manatraders using promo code THEDIVEDOWN2021, all one word, you'll get 15% off your first two months of renting Magic Online cards. As always, special thanks to the bands Nowhere and Spaceblood for letting us use their music. And until next week, get out there and viva Las Vegas!